horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business My mirrors are black for you You don't go in the bathroom with me Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 49 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And today Horror. is a very, very special day because finally, after years, we've arrived. We were having, I would say, Cinepunk associate, mm-hmm. peripheral. <laughs> Friend regular, of the pod- regular, regular guest. Regular guest. Featured guest. Longtime friend of the podcast, Jen Rogers. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on here. Well, the big deal here, for those of you who don't know, because um, some of you are not what, from... What, what movies are we talking about today? Oh, you're going to jump to that. I was just... I was just <laughs> she, it was it was, she, it was her... It was, it was her... First of all, we're talking... We're doing a Brian Yuzna episode. How do you say his name? Is it Yuzna? I, sure. I don't know. We're 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 featuring one Mr. Brian. Yeah. Uh, we're doing Society and we're doing Return of the Living Dead Three. But let me say what I was going to say. We have a number of listeners who are not from the Philadelphia area, and we have another list, number of listeners who don't listen to Cinepunks. Fair. Fair. So you might not know that Jen is a. You've been going to stuff in Philly forever. Yeah. In fact, you know when I first became aware of your existence, mm-hmm. you were in a short film by one Mr. <laughs> Dan Tabor. I was. It wasn't filmed here, right? But it was filmed at it a was table not filmed like this. Here. It was at his home. It was at his home. Okay. Yes. Um, starring you and and your partner was in it too. Was that uh, right? Yes, Russell. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had seen you at things, but had not met you yet. And then I saw this, and I'm like, Oh, that's that. Oh, her. Okay. That, that's Philly Har heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met you no. literally within a week of having seen that, and I was like, Oh, yeah, no, I know. And I didn't have the heart to say. I saw a movie that you're in. I just was like, oh, hi. Yeah, my name's Liam. Good. Anyways, so that was a good 10 years ago, I think. Did I meet you 10? I think it was 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. It's been a while. When we just go to mostly Exhume stuff, other stuff too, but that's where I would see you the most. Yeah. Um, And so if you've been going to Philly horror related things, even if you haven't met Jen. You've seen Jen. Period. Yes. That's just the reality. Sure. A number of people know you because you had that Final Girls website. And that was actually like mm-hmm. the connection was like Dan's like, oh, you know, you vaguely know who that is. She has that Final Girls site. And what's weird is I had been reading the site. Oh, cool. But the idea that any of you existed in the real world. <laughs> it's so obvious now that if someone has a blog you like and they're in the same city as you, mm-hmm. you could see them. But at the time I was like, well, no, that's not a thing. This is a real blog. Right. These are real bloggers. I could never hope to meet them. Yeah, because they don't <laughs> exist in the real world. No, that's not a real they thing. They never leave the basement. No, but it that's was true. true. I did, and I got to meet you. And then for people who do listen to Cinepunks, they know that you've been a regular guest on Cinepunks, but we've had this horror show. And to be fair, neither one, none, no one at this table is horror only. That's not who we are. But you are one of the bigger horror fans I know. Mm-hmm. So knowing that we have a horror-specific show, and we've never had you on, but we've had you on Cinepunks twice, I think. <laughs> Is that twice or three times? Um, I think only twice. I think twice, but then we talked to you when we did the horror episode of Cinepunks where we interviewed right, people. Right, right, yes. So let's say three times. 
Sherry sure. Times. Sure, uh, sure, sure, but sure, we've sure. been wanting, as I mean, since um, this show started, and then especially since Justin met you, we've been like, "Whoa, we should have Jen. We should have Jen on our business." It's yeah, so I think clear. She, I think you were one of the first people when we, we start talking about bringing other people on the show. It was like you were one of the first. Oh yeah, on a short list of candidates. Oh, cool. So I'm glad that that came. I mean, if you're someone who's listening and hasn't been on the show. I don't want you to feel insulted by that, but you should be because you suck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was mean. Sometimes I just make jokes, guys. I can't help it. I'm a jokester. You that's, are. That's what are, I'm known are for. You're a joker? Yeah. Are you a smoker? I'm not a smoker. Are you a midnight toker? If toking means uh, jerking off, then yeah. That's inappropriate. <laughs> that's not what it means. That's so inappropriate. It was the first. You said toker. And I said, what can I turn toking into that's not weedian related? Mm-hmm. Literally anything. And I went with jerk it off. Fair, fair enough. All right. I also eat ice cream at midnight. While jerking off. There you go. <laughs> it's so hard if it's in a cone. You really are. You really, you know, dancing with the devil at that point. Mm-hmm. Is that what Jack Nicholson meant? In, <laughs> <laughs> in a pale blue light. Yeah. Yeah. The pale blue light is actually. The, never mind. The glow of your TV screen. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'm still trying to find the Spice Channel. You know, it's not on. Spice Channel. It's not on the, the Roku. Every day I, I keep trying to find the Roku Spice Channel. <laughs> not one I pay for, one that's buzzed out so I can see the blurriness. You know that's like technically impossible now because of the way like cable it's works. so sad. But you remember that, right? Spice Channel? Of course I do. All right. Of course I remember that. Yeah. I didn't know. You know, you're younger than me. Maybe. I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> I'm not that much younger than you. You whippersnappers don't remember the glory that was the Spice Channel. "Quote unquote glory," <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blurry things that you were sure were nipples. I swear those were nipples. Yeah. So uh, before we go any further, we're just going to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, thank you, as always, from the bottom of our hearts. We will do this for free until we are cold as the clay in which we are buried. But there are costs, and to help offset those costs, we do appreciate. Any you know any little token that's thrown our way, any morsel, we appreciate it. Um, we will get some Patreon exclusive stuff out there soon, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, so if you are a Patreon subscriber and you haven't gotten something, uh, email us or get at us on Instagram or just harass us in general and we'll send something nice your way. Uh, There's a lot of great people on there and... Um we know that we owe people shout outs, so yes. we're we're gonna get that together too. But off the top of my head I know like Matt Snyder, Jim Haku, uh Josh S, uh Samantha Ray, mm-hmm. uh I think my mom. Maureen O'Donnell. Yeah. Yes. Uh Adriana, who's yes. also a member of the site. I mean a writer on the site, editor. Me Lead, leader basically. Yeah. I never say you because I just feel like <laughs> You're just there to pump the numbers up. It is a little bit, but yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I like to do what I can. Uh, in addition to that, this episode is also also brought to you by. Uh, Did the you pe- forget the name? You forgot the no, name? No, I'm just trying to come up with something Halloween related. <laughs> the Ghouls at Lehigh Valley Apparel <laughs> Creations. Uh, if they you, do eat human flesh there, but not they do. animal flesh. They don't. Well, some of them do. No, just me. I'm literally the only one. I don't believe that. Okay. Procreation? Is that what you said? No, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yes. Oh, okay. 
Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the premier screen printing company in the Lehigh Valley. If you need, if you need anything printed on a t-shirt or sweatpants or a beer koozie or basketball jerseys, if you need something for your club, for your club of D&D or Renaissance Fair enthusiasts or people who go to Renaissance Fairs to people watch enthusiasts, I don't know if there's a term for that, if there's some weird kink thing for that, that's fine. Not weird. It's fine. If that's what you're into, more power to you. If you need t-shirts or anything printed to represent your your little thing that you have going on. Your your little stupid I'm not saying you said stupid. You said stupid, not me. If you need if you okay, if you run if you, okay, let me put it this way. If you do a horror podcast. Hey, we do a horror podcast. We do a horror podcast. If you do a horror podcast, and I'm not naming names because I'm not gonna accuse anyone of anything, but if you do a horror podcast. Horror horror show. If you Final, Final Girls. If you do Horrified podcast. Fa- faculty of horror. Fa- faculty of horror. Uh, chat, uh, Neon Brainiacs. Mo- mo- movie roulette. Any of those things, if you guys do. Test patterns. Any any of those names that I just didn't name. And you Grindhouse imagine, Messiah. Grindhouse Messiah. You imagine those. We didn't say the names. If you do no, those. No, we didn't say anything. You should go to Lehigh Valley Imperial Creations and get your, yeah. get your shirts printed there. Print a shirt. Print a fucking dr seuss hat dr seuss hats i print, print a cod piece yeah. whatever it is whatever it is you need they will print there socks go there just to make chris life chris rejects life more difficult yeah because um i found out recently he has high blood pressure oh yeah and he's on medication yeah so we need to work harder to overcome the effects of that medication to keep right. his blood pressure through the right. roof what you need is you need a you need an order that is a lot of different kinds of shirts yes. and just pick them randomly don't have any logic to it just go on a, a clothing website mm-hmm. just pick six brands of shirts in weird sizes yes then you want a print that is actually five colors yes at minimum and you want those colors to like not match each other. Absolutely. And then send that to Chris and say, I need these to look beautiful and I need them next week. Yes. And they each size needs to be on a different kind of t-shirt. Yeah. Make it as difficult as possible. Yep. Please. I'm Please. begging you. We're asking with all of our hearts. So if you have if, if you if you if you have a plan for that, if you need something printed for your club or your podcast or your band or whatever your whatever, yeah. you can go to ww xlvacx.com that's www.xlvacx.com do not go to lvac.com that'll take you to some stupid las vegas thing xlvacx.com the x's are there because chris has this weird thing where he thinks he's punk but he's actually a sellout and he's he's establishment um he's also not straight edge so don't let the x's if you're like if you're like a member Mm. of the order like leon and i are and you think oh i'm the support a fellow sober edgeman no, you're not no. doing that. But he's you can smell the booze as you walk in. Disgusting. Uh-uh. No, so can't. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> for more info. I shouldn't say that. That's not. No, true. I mean no. He's he any if if anything else, he is professional somehow. <laughs> so one more time. That's www.xlvacx. I got that right. Yeah, you did it right. You almost did it though. It was yeah. good. Xlvacx.com. It's literally six letters. You six could, letters. How could you screw it up? Because I, I, I've I've screwed up less. Now comes the time in the show mm. where normally, yes, I would ask Liam this. Yes, but we have a guest. We have a guest, so Ooh. they're going first. Jen, mm-hmm. what have you been doing recently that's horror related? Oh my god, I feel like so much is going on. It's spooky so season. So much, I know. See, I don't even know the where holiest to begin. of holies is this month. Yeah, I saw Suspiria. I saw Halloween. I went to Fantastic Fest. 
Uh, yeah, you you have actually probably done a lot. Yeah. Recently, where do you want to start? I mean, if you it, Justin hasn't seen Suspiria, I have. Okay. I have not seen Suspiria. So we could talk about it a little bit. But, but have we all seen Halloween? I was going to say Halloween is something we've all seen. So great, great. Why don't you start with something that we haven't done from Fantastic Fest, and then we can all jump in on Halloween hmm. if that works for you. Let's see. I'm trying to think what really stood out. I saw one called Schools Out. Has anyone seen that? No. Tell no. us about it. That was a really creepy, upsetting film. Uh, it really I'm played to. Uh, <laughs> it was about uh, fears about climate change and other environmental hmm. disaster and just uh, humanity in general being fucking terrible. And uh, wait, humanity is terrible. I didn't even know. Yeah, I'm sorry to break this to you. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. Why did anyone know. tell me? I mean, they did. It, it's yeah, not called right. humanity is the devil because it's you know has a positive view of, of humanity fair fair right good right. poll well the general conceit is that there's a teacher a substitute teacher taking over a class after um their previous teacher had committed suicide and um the kids are real fucking weird they seem to be uh harboring death wishes um committing Ooh. violence on each other and themselves and he's like what the fuck is going on with these kids and finds some secret tapes that they stowed away uh spelling out their their fears about uh the future of the planet and uh wow humanity and and everything and i feel like it would be doing everyone a great disservice to tell you where it goes but yeah. it is a soul-crushing film oh. a really good one i really appreciated it it sounds like a horror version of the Paul Schreiter first. Was it first affirmed or first avowed? With first reformed. First reformed. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that yet. I was kind of afraid to. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm a little anxious about it, but I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. <laughs> it's very it's good. very good. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm stoked on that. And, is it, and you saw that at Fantastic Fest. I did. It was the first one we saw. Is it? Is it? We don't know what it, that does. You know, we don't know when that's going to be out or anything like that. It may have distribution, and I was not smart mm. enough to make note of it mm. before talking about it. Mm. I, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> Sorry. No, not a problem at all. Uh, and then you also saw a little movie that we both saw yeah. called Halloween. Oh, I did. You might have heard of it. You, the <laughs> listening audience may have heard of this film. It's yeah. called Halloween. Halloween. It's got a cult following now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this follow-up to the classic? I really enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Okay. I, I appreciated uh, it from a feminine perspective, just uh, generations of women saying, fuck you. To, <laughs> to yep, yep. Three generations in one house getting real, real riled mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there were some moments in the film that made me uh, really excited, like, fuck yeah. Um, and I feel like the, the slasher, like scare sequences, although they didn't scare me, it's hard to scare me now. Um uh, they built like a good sense of like anticipation and, and dread. Sure. sure. Uh, and it was funny. Like you could really feel like Danny McBride's voice coming through. At least I thought it was funny. Maybe the jokes aren't for everyone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I had fun. How about you guys? How did you feel, Liam? Uh -oh. I knew you were going to go to me. Oh, no. Justin wants to be the last word. Oh, no. He didn't, he didn't like it as much. Sorry. It's okay. I liked it. I Here's the thing. I'm not looking for something transcendent because I just mm -hmm. think 
nothing's going to compare to the original. And for my taste, uh, once you get past Halloween three, mm-hmm. this is, we're 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 in we're in the woods. We're in some real bad territory. Yeah. So as long as it beat four, five, six, is H two O six? H H two O seven Resurrection is eight. Robert Zombie's films are nine to ten. Yeah, as long as it beat all that trash, mm-hmm. which I mostly dislike. I, I think a case can be made for the second Rob Zombie Halloween. No. I think there I think it's no. <laughs> but no. I think you can. But leaving all that beside, it to me, I liked it at least as much as Halloween two, which I think is a very flawed film. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I liked it more than Halloween two. I think in the end I would go with Halloween two above it. But it's a solid slasher, it's competent, it moves at a good pace. There's some real cornball jokes in the beginning, mm-hmm. and I fucking hated the podcasters. It's just kind of yeah. a bummer to be like, oh, look, the only characters I directly identify with, and they're <laughs> the worst. But I also felt on a meta level like both the doctor and the podcasters are basically like all the, they are the stand-ins for all the producers of every other Halloween movie that are like, we have to understand like why the shape does what it does. Mm-hmm. And for years people have been trying to do that is get michael myers to speak i mean that's what those movies are let's hear michael myers speak not directly but we're gonna hear what's going on underneath the surface yeah and then we watch those people get fucking mangled for their dumb idea that michael myers is gonna talk to them and reveal anything and i love that that's great (laughs) does everything work no it doesn't um unfortunately but uh Nothing for me. I mean, this is what it boils down to. There was no moment for me where I was like, this is dumb. There was no moment where I was like, fuck this shit. That's already better than most Halloween movies. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, there we go. Now, does it compare to the original? No, nothing will ever fucking compare to the original. It just can't because the original was such a revelation. Does it compare to part three? No. I think part three, also a revelation of a different kind. It's my favorite. A lot of people feel as that any, way. As any thinking person, Shut that's, up. that's the opinion that any thinking person should have. Shut okay, up. so we've made up. That's Shut kind of... up. No, I mean, okay, I love three. Uh, for me, I still prefer the original in some ways, but I love three as well. But that's what I'm saying. There are different kinds of movies. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm alarmed by the first one's complete lack of Tom Atkins. That's that's <laughs> such a that's such a unsettling revelation for me. Yeah. But let's say this: what this movie didn't do, but I don't think it could have was do something new. Like that's mm-hmm. part of what makes part three so amazing is it does something new. This movie didn't do something new and I don't think it could have because people would have just fucking flipped their shit. But it does, to me, not completely rip off all the other movies. It mm-hmm. tries to, to stay within a lane but do it its own way and that was good enough for me. Um, again, I didn't have huge expectations. I didn't expect to be like super impressed by it so maybe I should expect more. But for what I wanted... I got what I wanted. I had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt good about the ending. I guess we shouldn't spoil it because people might not have seen it yet. But uh, all I'll say is I felt good about the ending. Yeah, now, too. if the ending is going to lead, as many people suspect, to more sequels, I probably won't like those sequels. I think we're done. Yeah. And any next movie, I don't care who writes or directs it or if John Carpenter does all the score, even if he gives me a free score as I leave the theater, I'm not in. I just don't want anything else. I'm done. That was a good end. Let's just end it there and move on with our lives. Please. Fair enough. I'm with you. Justin, what did you think? 
I didn't hate this movie, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> I, I think, didn't think you I, I think a lot of people, because anytime I see a horror movie I really like, I can't shut up about it on any form of social media. Anything I see, anything I like, I, 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 I tend to wear my feelings on my on, on my sleeve. So because I didn't really say much about Halloween, a lot of people were like, oh, like, um, you know, was like, did you did you not like it? Like, I think you yourself are like, what's up? You didn't really say anything about it. And I was just like, well, I want to save it for the podcast. Um, one of the problems I had about this trailer originally was the scene where the two it's in, it's actually in the very beginning of the movie it's like the opening scene is when these two podcasters they go to visit Michael in the mental hospital and they see him in the courtyard and uh, the the one guy pulls out the mask and is trying to like instigate some sort of reaction out of Michael and there's this like weird it's a very problematic moment for me it's very Todd Browning-esque with the portrayal of people with mental disorders reacting and it just kind of reminded me of the whole thing of like it's almost what we talk about with like the magical autistic child thing this idea that somehow these people who are in a mental institution are 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 in tune with something that like quote-unquote normal people are missing like they're sensitive to these whatever's going on i didn't like that um i did like the i'm not a person who's like man the fucking kills in this movie were sick but I do like how they managed to strike this nice balance between like what Carpenter did in the original and sort of like it's like Toby Hooper did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they would be like, you can be brutal with like without lots of gore. It's entirely possible. But these were also very vicious kills, which is something that I think is kind of missing in the first Halloween. It's just, they're very like, he's going to stab this person. He's going to choke this girl in this one. Like, um, like I think that scene in the trailer where he reaches over the fucking thing and drops a handful of teeth. Mm-hmm. I might not have been in love with the rest of this movie, but that was one of the like most like creepy, like I guess like sort of like toying with your victims thing as I've ever seen in a movie is just uh, here's a handful of teeth that I just pulled out of this guy's mouth. Um, and I do really appreciate the empowerment of women in this and that the fact that this guy was essentially brought down by three women working together. I really think that is something that needs to be done more in horror movies. And I think they did it in a way that wasn't like, look how, look, we're allies. Look at this. Like, look at this. Look what we just did. Like, they did it in a way that was like tasteful and like, cool. I like that. But the truth is, whenever Michael or Lori or Lori's daughter weren't on screen, I was very bored and I was just waiting for them to come back. Uh, I thought the scene with Virginia Gardner, the babysitter and the little kid, I thought that was really funny. Like how the kid was like that just like within the space of three minutes was dropping like 20 F bombs. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really funny. And I think that was like Danny McBride. Like that was his like, check check this scene out. Like, look, the little kid's going to say fuck like a lot. And he knows what marijuana is. He looks at porno. Like just put that in the movie. That's really funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. I really like that. But that stuck out like a sore thumb. And I really didn't like the Loomis analog, like the guy who was like Loomis's protege. And I didn't say this to you. I did say I hated the part when he like kills Will Patton. Spoiler alert. Um, Because who doesn't like Will Patton? Uh, And then he puts Michael's mask on and then like puts Michael in the car. I was just like, what the fuck are we doing? Like this is... The part where I was just like, you got to be kidding me, was when he meets Lori for the first time and she just goes, oh, so you're the new Loomis. I wanted to be like, yes, that's what, like, god damn it, like, ah. Um, that's so funny. I, 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 not only did I like that scene, it's one of the scenes that when I've talked to people about the movie who weren't sure if they liked the movie or not, they're like, well, that part was cool. 
And See, I think it's so I just, funny to me that that I was think, one of the things I, that like, I, got under your I, I think a, another problem with that is I've always had a problem. Like one of the few things that I really thought, not to go off on a tangent about my how I feel about the Halloween movies, one of the few things that I really, really, really actually enjoyed about Rob Zombie's Halloween was his portrayal of Dr. Loomis specifically in the first one as a doctor who actually gave a fuck about his patient and was trying to do the right thing and was trying to help this person out. I thought that was far more realistic than Donald Pleasant's like, we have to give him <laughs> drugs. He can never see the, like, no actual, like, it. It cannot get out ever again. Like He's a terrible doctor. He's a, the worst doctor in any movie ever, short of, like, Dr. Frankenstein. I, 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 I have heard you say this before, and I've gone along with it, and now I don't go along with it anymore. You're drawing a line. And here's why. Why? It's not that character that's the problem. It's the shape that's the problem. Loomis has to be that way. Because Carpenter doesn't want a madman. He specifically is like, this person isn't crazy. That's why when people have critiqued the mental health scene that you're describing, yeah. both him and the writers have come out and said, we don't agree. Because the whole point of this character is that he's not crazy. No, He's I, not a crazy person. He's evil. He's evil. And if you don't believe in evil, then you don't like the movie. Okay. You know what I mean? So I think I don't think the problem is Loomis. I think the problem is that Carpenter was very focused on this idea that like Loomis is the only character who sees this thing for, for what, what it is. is. Okay. Now, does that make him an obviously bad doctor? Yes, it does because evil isn't real. Can I just put that out there? <laughs> yeah. Even as a person whose wife is a pastor, evil in the way that they're talking about in this movie. You mean isn't evil with real. a ca- evil with a capital E? Yeah, it's not. We don't need it. normal people who love their kids are also evil so we don't need a walking monster who eats children basically you know what I mean like well he doesn't literally eat children you know what I mean like dogs and they're like children yeah exactly Um, we don't need that in the world because we have evil just in you know the president and shit so um, so I, I get but I don't think that's a problem so this is actually why I didn't like Rob Zombie's portrayal of Loomis because it's part of his version of the movie which is Rather than having Michael Myers just be a monster, let's like understand him in some way, which is kind of what he does in all his movies, and I'm just tired of it because he's not a good enough writer. You could have someone who writes a movie. Yeah. Uh, example, my friend Jeffrey Dahmer or whatever that was called. My friend Dahmer? My friend Dahmer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dahmer's not sympathetic in that movie at all, but you kind of see like, okay, I get it. Like... I get how a person who's a person could become Jeffrey Dahmer in some ways. Yes. The person he was before he becomes Dahmer is still not great. He's still no. not like a fucking hero or anything. But like you, there's a progression there, whatever. Rob Zombie's not a good enough writer to do what he was trying to do, which is like, let's no, make no, no. Michael sympathetic. And so why I don't like his Loomis is that I think his Loomis only exists that way. Because it's part of him trying to humanize Michael, and I don't like his humanized Michael. And I'm not saying you couldn't humanize Michael. I just don't think he gets there in that movie. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, but what else did I? Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. That's fine. That. No, no, no. We, um, we, we talked about that for those who haven't listened to the show before. We talked about this when we did the Rob Zombie episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I was like, okay, sure. And then since then, I'm like, you know, I don't think I like that actually. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah. I don't like I, I I don't like Malcolm McDowell in the second one. You know he's you right. know, that that's when right. it gets like okay, but in the first one I, I I respect the fact that he's trying to make a difference in someone's life. I just think it appeals to like the he's trying to do the right thing, whereas like I don't I like 
Donald Pleasance just comes off too much as like he 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 starts at like eleven, right, and then stay goes up to fifteen for <laughs> fucking four five mm-hmm. sequels, right, and it's just a little much. I never understood why he doesn't get like kicked out. Or, or lose his job. Yeah. But yeah. like people just put up with his shit. <laughs> well, okay. And this goes into then with, I liked this character for two reasons. One, uh, it's the only reason, he's the reason Michael gets out on the bus. Like when Michael gets out on the bus, I'm like, oh, I get it. The podcaster showed him the mask and now he's filled with his holy rage and that's, he was given the power to skip on the bus. And then when the doctor has his turn, I'm like, oh, that's actually a believable reason as to why Michael got off the bus. It's this asshole. This asshole got him uh, free in the first place because he wanted yeah. all this shit to happen. That to me is a go around of like the, what happened after the first Halloween is that Michael is like God in all these movies. Like he's like this unstoppable monster or whatever. And he's physically unstoppable in this movie. But the reality is he can't get off the bus without help. Someone had to help him. Yeah. And I liked that move. Now, granted, I don't know that I love the scene where he puts on the mask. I I will agree that was a little bit cornball. But the idea that he was on Michael's side, I thought was brilliant. I just think that the way that particular moment was written, I'm with you. It's it's done too much in like a, gotcha, motherfucker. Yeah, there was was, a little too much of that. There was no... Like if if he had been like if they had been like illusions peppered throughout the earlier in the movie that he was like that he was sort of like seeing Michael as like a meal ticket like oh I'm gonna write this he's gonna right. I'm gonna crack the right. the Mike Myers facade and I'm gonna be the one who like I'd be like okay I, I could see but it came out of fucking nowhere and I was like I think you're supposed to get that vibe when he because it is irrational that when the dude pulls out the ma- the mask he doesn't go the fuck are you doing put that shit away that's What's what i'm on? saying is like but that's the thing well, that's that's supposed to be a giveaway for his character but they it the scene doesn't work that way i think it's written so that you're supposed to go oh the doctor's fucked too there's something going on with that doctor yeah but it doesn't come at least for me it didn't come off that way other people who i talked to about the movie maybe saw it that way or got a feeling that way for me i just thought this is weird why is he letting him do that like that's clearly if, not a good idea if there was any realism whatsoever in the rest of the hospital sequence right. I think it would have come off that way like yeah. absolutely him doing the nod like yeah sure go ahead what the fuck show him the mask there's no way that would happen but uh, also the environment where they find right. Michael this like Alice in Wonderland like Dario Argento checkerboard checkerboard these little like mapped out squares that they keep everyone in it was ridiculous I mean I thought that's what it was like in every hospital no? <laughs> yeah they don't just put a chain around your neck and put you out in the, attached in the to an actual concrete block <laughs> yeah that's not real Jesus. Uh, I don't mind that entirely because it feels like, oh, it's just out of a nightmare. Like, I'm not the type of person to demand absolute realism from my horror film. It can feel dreamlike and I can get down with it. But uh, yeah, if they were trying to go for, here's a little tip that this doctor is not quite right. It doesn't work in that scene. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think that's fair. But I, I like, in the abstract, I actually like the plot device of... The doctor's on Michael's side. I like it. Yeah, no. That, I just think the that scene... The execution was sloppy. It was, yeah, it was kind of cornball. And also, it leads to a moment that should be amazing, which is she's in the backseat with Michael. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm willing to trade for the anxiety of her sharing a backseat with Michael. And that plays off for nothing. It Well, not for nothing. When he kicks in this grate and smashes the dude's face, that is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But 
there's no anxiety for her. Like they never actually play the moment off for her. What what's going on for her in that scene? It's just sort of like Michael's so distracted and wanted to kill the doctor that he doesn't even notice she's there. Yeah, yeah. That's fine, but it kind of felt to me like you should own this moment more. Like there yeah. should be a reason. Mike should know she's there. There should be some. He doesn't even have to try to kill her because. My assumption is in that close space, she's dead. Like, there's no yeah. squirming away or whatever. But at least that some menacing look at her before he decides he'd rather go after the doctor. But he just doesn't even see her there. And that just felt weird to me. It just felt like a like they could have used that more. Okay. Uh, two more things I want to say I liked about this movie. Do it. Um, I liked how immediately when he gets to Haddonfield, the fucking killing starts. Yeah. And the killing is done like... It, it's, it's, it's not like... It's done in a way that is so terrifyingly efficient. Yeah. And, you know, not like, oh, there's no lingering on the gore. It's just like, boom, kills this woman with a hammer, grabs a knife, kills the husband. Ponder, am I going to kill this baby? Nope. Walks outside. Woman checking the window, kills her, goes and kills Virginia Gardner. It, it all was like, I think he racked up like four kills in like five minutes. Yeah. Which. I thought was a really good way of like establishing that he was just this like machine. Yeah. And not really a person. Well, and it's done in a way where you believe it, right? Like this is like you were saying when you were listening to the podcast and the um, comedian was making a joke about Jason, like Jason just shows up, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the other Halloween movies, part of the way that the anxiety goes up is you don't see how Michael does what he does. No, but this is there. It's this long tracking shot following him. And I was like, that is fucking brilliant. What it showed is making his killing, I mean, it's not realistic, but you can see how he does it. Yeah. That didn't take away the anxiety. The assumption is if you see him sneaking up or doing whatever, it takes away the anxiety for the audience. Yeah. No. I felt just as much anxiety. Exactly. Like you're like, he's grabbing the hammer. All right. She's dead. All right. They're dead. Oh, right. as soon as they stopped at the window, you're like, he's going to stab her in the neck. Like, yeah, 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 you yeah. just know what's going to happen and it doesn't help. No part of it's like. Well, I don't feel anxiety at all in this scene. It's actually more so, and that doesn't mean there aren't parts of the movie where he shows up and you didn't see him coming. That 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 also happens. Yeah. But the idea that like we can show you how he does his thing and it's still scary was fucking. Br- I thought that was actually the smartest part of the movie. Absolutely. I think on a larger scale, I like the way that it resolves, which we still haven't said, and I would like that's not fine. to say. But yeah. uh, I think that was a good move too. But that tracking shot scene, I thought, was the actual insight of like, yeah, the first movie was cool and that you never saw Michael coming, really, except for the scenes where you just see him walking. But we're going to go with him. And we're going to show you how he does what he does in a way where people have no fucking hope. Like, if a dude is actually willing to just walk in your house when you're not looking and smash you with a hammer with no warning, no one could get it. You know what I mean? Like, there's no human, unless you have preternatural senses, that could fucking survive. You're done. He's just, you're smashed and then you're done. Yeah. That was far more frightening, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, I also liked how this movie, despite the commercials sort of like hyping up Jamie Lee Curtis as this like, yeah, you know, he's had 40 years to prepare. <laughs> so is she. Like, they didn't really make, like, I like the scenes where she, like, they clearly established that she cannot function in everyday society because right. of what happened to her. Like, when she's at out at dinner and she's like talking to her daughter and granddaughter and she just has a panic attack and it's just like, it has to go and how like people are just like she's very clearly like a dangerous person it reminded me of how like um and i i don't know if i'm making this comparison just because it's like two women who endured some sort of trauma and came out the other side as like quote unquote badasses but it's one of the things that when i watched terminator 2 as an adult i really like because when i was a little kid i was like 
Sarah Connors was fucking badass. Like she takes zero mm-hmm. shit from anyone. She fucks everyone up. She's fucking tough as shit. But I watch that now and there's all these scenes where you see like, oh, but she's actually like not dealing with this trauma very well. Right. You know, like when she tries to kill Miles Dyson and then she has this moment of clarity where she's like, I was going to kill a person. It has that complete fucking breakdown in front of everyone. Or when she first sees like the Terminator, uh, the, the T-800 in the hallway and she has that like weird panic attack. I like that they 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 showed it in a way that was like this is how a person in this situation would actually react. They wouldn't automatically be like, "I'm a tough motherfucker who takes zero shit from anyone." It's like, no, I'm a scared motherfucker who's prepared right. for, which I think is like how how someone in real life would actually act. Right. It's it's not about being tough. It's about being afraid and about like second guessing everyone around you and being super paranoid. And I really appreciate it that they didn't they didn't go like the action hero route, which they very easily could have. And I thought they were going to. Um, I mean, really, the, the only moment where I mean, there are definitely moments where her she's tough, no doubt. But the only moment that like is actually like, oh, that's kick ass for me wasn't her moment. It yes. was Judy Greer with the with gotcha. The, oh, I can't do yes, it. I'm so yes. afraid. Oh, I guess that's a spoiler, but whatever. I actually yelled. There's some spoilers. I actually Sorry, like did like a fuck yeah in the movie theater when she was like, she was like, mom, mom. And she's like, there you are. Like, I was like, oh my God, that's best, amazing. Because you scene. knew that's what, <clears throat> I mean, this is right. Like, this is, this is the reality situation. She doesn't have the trauma. Like, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, her life has been basically ruined because of this trauma. Yes. In a sense, Judy Greer's wife, life has also been ruined but not to the same extent. And so it's easier for her to focus on her training because when she sees this person, there's fear, but it's not the visceral, like, I can feel what happened last. I mean, we can't... Again, it's a funny moment in the movie when one of the characters downplays the first movie. I mean, basically what happens is that a teenage character is like, they killed five people, what's the big deal? But, like, the idea that, like, yeah, in a way, it's not a big deal compared to a lot of things that happen in the world, but for her... I mean, yeah. we have to remember how, that, and that's one of the best parts of the movie, right? Is that like they're in close proximity for a lot of that movie, and so like there's no way that she's not fucking damaged. Well, I mean, Judy Greer, she's afraid, but it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, and yeah. so the idea that she could do something like that and have the clarity to do that, whereas again, it's not that Jamie Lee Curtis isn't badass at times; she is, but she's also fucking terrified, and it's hard in that situation to be like a badass, no matter how long you've been training, you know? And the some of the moments where she does cool stuff are cool, but I actually like the moments where he can still surprise her. Yes, Because yes. she's just like, she's trying her best here, but she's mm-hmm. fucking like uh, horribly terrified, and I get that. And I and I thought that was done very, very, very well. Um, and I just love, I mean, I love both those women as actresses too. So Absolutely. Good choice. Absolutely, yeah. Very good choice. I think the granddaughter was a little... Not interesting. She's fine. Yeah. But she just didn't, you know. It's hard when you're on screen with Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer yeah. and you're like, I'm going to hold my own. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Duh, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. I don't know. So. But in any other movie, she would have been the focal character. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Jamie Lee and Judy Greer would be not in the film like half yeah, as much. Totally. And I'm glad that's not how it played out. Yeah. And yeah, she did a really good job uh, portraying PTSD. Mm -hmm. I I think the series has tried to do that in the past, but not quite reached this height of of realism. What is it, in H2O, where they depict her as like a drunk? And I was like, ooh, uh, (laughs) let's not go there. I mean, I like that in this movie, she's trying not to drink as much, but... Like, that's part of her past, but it's not the, the motivating. Yeah. It's not her whole character. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I think if you, uh, people listening who are looking for Halloween to be Halloween, I think you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Me personally, I think most people will, if you go in with realistic expectations, you're not going to have a bad time. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. I, I, I had fun. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not perfect. But I mean, no. I didn't think it would be. What else have you done for uh, for spooky time? Hmm. <laughs> what did you think of Suspiria? Oh, wow. I, I really, really enjoyed Suspiria. I don't think a lot of people will have gotten a chance to see it yet. So yeah, I think we should, we should not go into light. too much detail on that. But just uh, uh, how did you feel about it? Are, are you a fan of the original? And how did you feel about it as a fan of the original? Because I feel like that's what's probably at stake for people. Um, I am a huge fan of the... Well, I can't say the Three Mothers trilogy because oh, Mother no. of Tears is fucking awful. It's a horrible film. But um, I'll, I'll say Suspiria, Inferno, big fucking fan, huge fan of the mythology of the Three Mothers in general. Uh, I wish they had just made Mother of Tears in the 80s like they were supposed to. Right. Because they, they really fucked that up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that whole setting, that whole mythos. And uh, I was not disappointed. Mm. And... Uh, I think that I like both the original and the remake uh, equally for different reasons. I like that. I like yeah. that. At, at any point, did um, did Army Hammer come out and do a, a sensual dance to psychedelic furs and to eat a peach that's been blessed? <laughs> I don't I like, know where you're going with this. He, clearly, you did not see Call Me By Your Name. This uh, I did not. Movie. Oh, my God. I highly recommend yes. it. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, okay you'll, I will, get, you'll get both those references after seeing that movie. Okay. I think this movie... Uh, I think this movie, the director knew he couldn't remake Suspiria, really. Mm-hmm. He could make a movie called Suspiria that has many of the same themes and and pulls from some of the same sorts of ideas about witches and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't fucking remake Suspiria. It's a, no. it's a miracle that Suspiria is what it is. It's just unbelievable that that movie exists. It would so, be pointless to try. Yeah, why bother? Why waste your time? Make something else. And he does. And I would say even... Through to the end, no spoilers, this is a different movie, mm-hmm. even as it has many of the same things going on. Uh, I loved it. I, as we talked about at the screening, I'm still not sure about the end. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say anything else besides that, because this is, unlike Halloween, which I think most of our listeners probably have seen before they even heard this episode. I don't know when this is coming. I don't know when Suspiria's out, out. And I don't know how wide November it'll be November 2nd, I believe. Yeah, so we're going to have this up before it's out i will say go see it i think even as someone who found the ending confounding and i'm not sure if i loved the ending you gotta see this i think this is a movie you gotta go see if you Mm -hmm. care if you hate the idea of suspiria to your core i don't know that you'll love this one more than the original no absolutely not i will say too if you're a fan of dance i've never seen a movie that isn't technically about dance have so much cool dance in it and yeah. what's weird is I've seen people criticize the dance like, oh, I thought the dance was kind of stupid. And what? I'm like, I guess you just don't like dance then because anyone who's a fan of human movement would have to be fucking impressed by this movie. Like, it, and it works into the plot too. Like it's, it's cool dance sequences that are part of the plot and that are used in ways that are spooky. And I fucking love that. I think that was brilliant. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the political subtext. I mean, I like it. I'm not sure how it well it works, mm-hmm. but I don't dislike. It wasn't a distraction, and I suspect on rewatch it might resonate a little bit more. 
Uh, I will say if you're someone who knows a lot about that time period, it's, you know, 70s Germany, specifically during the Bader, Bader Meinhof, Bader Meinhof. Oh Bader God, Meinhof. I don't know. Basically the, the terrorists who hijacked the plane, uh, in, in the name of Palestine. There's a whole movie about it. If you know anything about that time period, it plays into the movie a little bit, a little bit. Um, but it is very much a movie about in a weird way about like movements and about like political groups and about communities and about how toxic they can be, which is not what I was expecting at all, that that would Mm. be like a real thing, but it really is. And in some ways, uh, while there's definitely spookiness, I don't want to play it off like, Oh, this isn't a horror movie, but there's just as much like emotional drama stuff kind of going on that I found as compelling as the scary, scary parts, Yeah, which usually you get one or the other in a solid way, not so much both. So, yeah, I thought it was great. Again, I'm not sure about the ending, but not in a way that I'm like, don't see the movie, but in a way of like, I need to see it again and really like marinate and think about how I feel about the end. And okay. I think I'll, I'll end up loving it. Even if I decide the ending sucks, the movie's still great. You don't have to like everything about a movie to like a movie. So that's all I'll say for now. Can I say more? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that in many ways, uh, it's. I, I think I started talking about this on Twitter, but... Um, I think it's less shallow than the original. And I love the original intensely. But the original is all uh, color, it's style, it's dread, it's atmosphere, it's a nightmare. And um, it could be any school. It, it, mm-hmm. it could be a school for, a prep school for girls. It could be a singing school. It, it didn't have to be a dance school. Dance was just a throwaway uh, setting detail. Right. In uh, the new movie, dance is just such a powerful uh, concept at the very core of this film. And uh, the the power of dance, the power of these women's bodies uh, relating to uh, magic, but also just in the physical world, dance is a very powerful art form. Like, uh, you have to be strong as fuck. To, to right. pull off that, that that kind of physical mastery. And uh, I just, I loved how it was taking these like traditionally feminine art forms and showing them as powerful and dangerous. Yeah. And uh, I, I like that they gave the characters more um, depth in, in other ways. Like uh, Susie could have been anyone in the original. Uh, she had no background. She didn't have much personality. I mean, let's be honest (laughs) but the the new Susie has a whole like place that she's from and it informs what she does moving forward right again I'm not saying it's better I'm not the original is a masterpiece in many ways but wow I just fucking love what the new one brought to the table yeah in a big way and it's for me a very timely film in the sense of like if there's ever a time to see um, powerful women striking out at the world mm-hmm. and like striking fear into the, and mocking. I mean, there's a really brilliant scene that involves mocking in trans men that is fucking great. It's so good. And mm-hmm. it, I, so, all that to say, I completely agree. And I think that uh, the dance is such a beautiful, wonderful part of what is a pretty well done upsetting movie upsetting yeah. in the right way yeah <laughs> so that's i mean i basically did those things too justin hey man are you 
you done? Did you? You're you're good. I'm good. Besides what we've already talked about, what have you done that's horror? Uh, I well, first off, we'll start with the single movies I've watched. Uh, I watched a little film called Atirados. Is that how it's pronounced? I have no idea. Atirados. 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 It means terrified in Spanish. It's a little. <laughs> it's a Chilean movie. Um, it was good. You know, I was I was talking about the limb on the ride home, and it's like or on the ride down here. It's definitely, have you seen or heard anything about this movie? I have seen it. The poster's fucking terrifying. The poster is so, it's the the guy like split down the middle. Like it, it's it's a very weird poster, which is what grabbed my attention. And it, it has a lot of like, uh, a lot of, there are no real jump scares in this movie. There's a lot of like weird, terrifying imagery that you see coming. And when it happens, it's still scary. Uh, but like I was saying to Liam, I think we at this point have entered a post James Wan world. So everything is like like I was watching this movie and I was like yes, giant naked bald men who live under your bed and terrify you at night and whisper obscene things to you. Yes, that's scary. But that's also something that would happen in like The Conjuring or something like that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um I would recommend this movie. I saw this movie with uh the subtitles aren't the best. So I feel there was something that maybe I was like missing out on, but it's one of those movies where I don't speak a word of Spanish, but I could have watched it and I suspect I still would have picked up what was going on. Um, so I would, I would recommend that. And then before we talk, before we talk about the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Oh yeah. I'm glad you remember. Which is a shared, totally a shared moment. Um, I am, I have one episode left of Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House and holy God in heaven, I cannot recommend this show enough. Um, if you follow me on any sort of social media whatsoever for the past four days, I have been shouting praise to Mike Flanagan. Uh, and I have been doing so for many for, for years now since seeing Absentia. Shouting! No, but, because no, it's like I, for years, ever since I've seen Absentia, I've just been like, Mike Flanagan, he's great. And like yelling in people's faces in the streets and like people go, you know, uh, you got to watch, you got to see. And, and people have been like, fine, fuck it, I'll watch it. And... Now that this is coming out, and it's like I see people saying this stuff about like Mike Flanagan, and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I've been saying for years now. Like, um, this show is so upsetting and and heartbreaking and scary that it, it, it it's 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 not groundbreaking, it's not revolutionary, but it truly is unlike anything I've ever seen in hard television before, because it's better than it's not like American Horror Story where it's like. Here's a weird image. Here's a weird shot of something creepy that's going to happen. And it's going to scare you. And maybe in a few episodes we'll explain it. But who gives a shit? Like everything in this series is like that's going to come back later. And it's going to be devastating when they explain it. Case in point, the fucking bent neck lady. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was like interesting. Okay. Um it's just great television, uh, and if you're if you're if you're a fan of like te- if you're a fan of like technical accomplishments, uh, there was I believe it was episode six six where it was like there were four or five cutaways the entire time. It was made up entirely of long shots, and not just like people talking, but like they would move away from a character, and then when they would come back, it would be like that character's younger version, and like just trying to wrap my head around how they did that and how they moved to these different sets and all that. Like, fuck, that is like an accomplishment in and of itself. 
So I, I, I really can't recommend it enough. And as always, go watch Absentia. Watch Absentia yesterday. You should have seen that movie already. It's amazing. Um, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's so good. Yeah. So good. It has everything that is like, it has all like the Mike Flanagan trademarks, like the really slow zooms and on like a dark room when you're like, what the fuck is going to jump out of there? And then nothing jumps out of there, but you're still shook for the rest of the movie. Um. So yeah, also, I mean, who doesn't like Henry Thomas? Who doesn't like Henry Thomas as a sweet father who's just confused and he's just a good guy? It's my friend Henry. I met Henry Thomas. He's my friend. <laughs> my friend. <laughs> I also falsely accused him of being a fucking alien, alien mm. conspiracy theorist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so other than that, uh, Liam and I went to the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival last weekend and saw a couple movies. Let me let me start off because I went to the first night and I saw Knife and Heart. Okay, and I've already talked a lot, so I don't want to say too much about it. All I want to say is it's it's French, it's gay, it's basically a giallo. Okay. Now, if you've watched a few giallos, there's two things that giallos are not very good about, and that would be uh, gender and sexuality, actually. They're yes. fun movies, but they tend to not like women, and they really don't like gay folks. So to have is, a, is that like a thing? They really don't like... Ha- I mean, the ones that have gay characters, they're usually giant fucking stereotypes. I mean, it's a 70s Italian movie. Saying that the gay character is a giant stereotype is not a revelation. It's, it's what you would assume, uh, oftentimes. Um, in this movie, uh, everyone is gay. There's almost no straight characters okay. in, the whole, in the whole film. And uh, it's mainly focused on a, a lesbian film director. She makes gay porn for men, but she has a girlfriend who's her editor. They've broken up. And the movie could be seen as like a love story as she's trying to make a movie so good, still porn, but a movie so good yeah. that her editor her ex-girlfriend will see how much she cares and come back to her. It just happens to be that at the same time she's trying to do that, there is a crazed madman killing some of her actors uh, who himself is possibly gay as well. And you don't know for sure at first. You just know this is happening. And then everything is awash in rain and neon and funky. It's it's set in 1979 Paris, and there's a lot of funky music. And it's sort of making the transition from disco into electro. Okay. So it's a mix of those sounds. Uh, it's a lot of gay clubs and a lot of, like, fucked up murder scenes. And for some reason, besides the fact that the killer is killing men who act in her films, she is somehow also connected to this killer because a lot of what's happening is influencing her movie and more than just she knows about it because she knows the men like things that are working their way into her movie are like almost from the killer's mind uh and that's just the setup of the movie and it goes from there it is weirdly funny at times for a movie that is kind of a dark not quite scary but tense murder movie yeah it has some fucking hilarious moments uh and it has the greatest denouement there's a there's a credit scene the movie's over it's not a part of the plot but they're like oh here's the credits of the movie and then we're just going to have all this shit going on during that time that's just awesome just so good and unapologetically dongs everywhere gay <laughs> sex just like a real big like oh does this make you uncomfortable we don't fucking care <laughs> and i love that i love being able to have the style and really brutality of a giallo that's also like having fun yeah with, yeah with uh, a very sexual I mean it is a very sexual movie and I, I thought that was cool it was good it was a fun it was a good time I liked it Knife and Heart uh, there is I will say 
some weird relationship elements uh, that I think if there's one particular tough scene that if you've been in an abusive relationship, I think would be hard. Okay. Now, granted, it's a murder movie, so it's weird to say trigger warning for a murder movie. But I think this is different than that guy got stabbed. This yeah, is yeah. like yeah. two people you care about and it's rough. And gotcha. That, that for me, I was like, ooh, that's a little weird. But I, I think that character is being influenced by the killer, I think. And that's what's happening in that moment because they are like psychically connected. Oh, okay. But again, there's also a lot of humor in it and there's plot points that are just straight up jokes. Just fucking, you're like, this is what's happening right now? Really? Okay. We'll just go with it. It's fine. Uh, so that was one thing I did without you. And then we went and saw what movie first? Uh, Welcome to Mercy. Yeah. Uh, I liked it up until literally the last 30 seconds. Yep. Same. Would you call this movie non-sploitation? No, I've seen multiple. We even posted an article on, Cine, uh, on uh, Cinepunks called it non-sploitation. I think of it more of an exorcism. It's an exorcism. It's movie. an yeah, okay, yeah, because but there is a lot of nun stuff going on. So I guess you could call it a nun exploitation movie. It's just not how it struck me. Yeah, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, like I said, up until the, the, the stinger at the very end, which I was like, "Don't fucking do that! Don't fucking do that! Don't fucking do that!" Oh god, they're gonna do it! God damn it! Um, it was. Uh, it started off kind of slow, but you know, I was like thinking about it. It was like, imagine if like I came over here either your houses and I was like hey so um here's what I made for you here's just salt you take your salt and you're like what the fuck is he giving me salt for and I'm like hey like salt here's some vanilla extract you're like where are you going with this and then you're like oh he's making a cake that's how I felt about this movie like they were interested in all these little things I was like where are they going with this like what and then I was like oh okay I see where this is going now I really like this and it's really awesome I just hope that at the end um a giant centipede doesn't fall off the ceiling onto my cake and make it inedible before me which is how that stinger was for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. It's literally a stinger, which it's, it's not relevant for the rest of the movie. No, because that's why it's a bad stinger. It had these like, it had this like really like when they were, I, I could see how someone was like, Oh, I get it. Exposition. Like the one point when they were explaining like the thing, but I thought that was like a really sweet thing, how they were showing like, and then there was a sequence where it was like this really like just beautiful, uh, montage of like events in this girl's life and then they tied it all together with sort of like a little nod to the original exorcist um, and then you're like okay cool this is a perfect movie they have wrapped up all the threads the conflict has been resolved hit me with the credits just hey, come on hit me with the credits okay there's oh okay they ruined it like that's just I, I didn't feel like it was ruined. No, the movie wasn't ruined. It, I still think it was a great movie, but it, it felt like if this had been like a big budget movie from like Warner Brothers, this had all the trappings of like a studio exec watching like a rough cut of the movie and being like, yeah, I really liked the way you ended this movie, but you know, it'd be like really cool if like, you know, this happened and the director was like, well, that doesn't really bear any, it doesn't have any bearing upon my vision for the film it doesn't really bring anything to the story yeah but like you should still do that and you'd be like oh, okay and just like that's what it felt like yeah um but it was still i you know if it comes out if you get a chance to see it, I, I i would recommend it it's still a very good movie a lot of uh we didn't really get a chance there's a lot of weird imagery in that movie like yeah, a lot of like in a really cool way startling striking imagery in the yeah. way it shot uh 
wasn't crazy about the next movie we saw, which was called House, House of Sweat, Sweat and, and Tears. Okay. Did you hear about this? Uh, I missed it at Fantastic Fest. I was very. You didn't miss anything. Though. Okay. You didn't miss anything. Yeah. I uh, yeah we we're not invested in shit talking a small movie. I believe in the rule of thumper. Okay. I'm not going to say anything. I have nothing good to say about this movie, so I'm not going to. It, love... it wasn't for us. That's all I'll say. It's fine. It's uh, all I'll say is this: is I'm all for weird movies with weird shit happening, and then later people being like, "Here's what really meant." You're like, "I could see that." Like you read like in interviews where David Lynch is like, "Eraserhead is about my anxieties to deal with fatherhood," and you're like, "Yeah, I, I could see that." If David Lynch's Eraserhead had been as on the nose about this movie, it would have been 90 minutes of him punching a baby doll and every like <laughs> four to five minutes, like looking at the camera and being like, I was not prepared for this. I don't like being a father. And then going back to punching that. That's how on the nose this was. Like we get it. You don't need to do this for the fucking fifth time. Just fucking tell. I like, I, I don't know. It just wasn't for, and then like the whole expect that. How am I going to talk about it? There's I mean, you've already said it. I've good already deal. said enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next movie we saw, I actually enjoyed quite a bit. It was a little film called Luz. 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 Did not see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. Caught me completely off guard. I almost don't want to say too much about it because it's such a weird, yes. unexpected movie. Yes. This was a movie where it, when it started, I was like, I don't know where they're going with this. But once it like found its groove, I was just like, this is... I, like again, you know, even from like a technical viewpoint, like the, the the skill involved from every single person that was involved in making this movie, in and of itself, is like they should be proud. It's and it, it's just like uh, just a very it was it was a very interesting story, not a very well fleshed out story, but it didn't need to be because the way it was the way it was shown, the way it was portrayed, was like that in and of itself is a treat. Um, it showed you can do a lot with great performances and a sense of style because there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of money. There's like two sets. Yes. There's no, almost no special effects. Nope. And yet it's super compelling. Yeah. And they really were like, this is all we have. This is what we can do. And they did a lot with it. And it wasn't particularly scary. Like nothing really like, there were a few parts. uh, I don't want to, the, the, when did you start speaking Spanish part was like, when that happened, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, wow damn like and i mean that that image is in like if you like do a google image search for this like the image that corresponds with that the shot that corresponds with that part is in that and it still was just like jesus that was that was weird um but no that that movie was fun as hell i think there's technically like a review embargo on it until 2019 it it, yeah it's gonna get distribution next year yeah so but it played the festival it played fantastic fest and bloody disgusting just posted a review about it so what's what's an embargo I know. I, the, here's the deal. People who saw it, we, we, in the context we saw it, we're not supposed to do an official review. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The chances that anyone, the only only one person involved with it listens to this podcast, so I think he'll forgive us. Yeah. Um, we like the movie. I like the movie So when it comes lot. out in 2019, you should see it. You should absolutely see it. Uh, but we'll do it. I, I think we'll still be jazzed on it enough that when it's officially coming out, absolutely. we'll do an official review. That that might actually, uh, that that's definitely going to make at least my honorable mentions for right. horror movies in, 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 in 2018, if not the top 10. I don't know. 
I can't tell the future. I don't have a crystal ball. Right. And then we saw a movie that you liked a good deal, and I liked yes. a good deal called Starfish. Yes. That you wrote a review for, and I would actually encourage people to go read your review. Yeah, you can go to www.cinepunks.com and read the review there. I don't want to bore you with that. Um, but this movie, Jen, you saw it, right? Yeah, I so saw it. We've all seen it. This is so great. Okay, this great. Is so great. Um, this movie affected me on such a level that nothing like the whole movie was very melancholy and very sad and but there was no moment there was no uh there was no brooks hanging himself moment there was no gene hackman and ben and ben stiller having a moment over the dog moment there was no single moment it was just this whole movie but the end was so just like achingly beautiful that like it it honestly brought tears to my eyes because it was just i don't want to bore people with the details because that's what my review was for um (laughs) This was a very personal movie, and I don't mean that in the way that, like, again, like, yes, Eraserhead is my most personal film. <laughs> uh, Mechanical Animals is my most personal album. Like, those things are true and fine, but, like, watching this movie, even before talking to anyone about it, it was very clear that, like, uh, Al White was working through some some serious shit that that he had to get off his chest and he was trying to do something making this movie. And he did it in a way that wasn't like, the movie wasn't like dripping with like, um, self-pity or anything like that. It was just, here is someone who has these feelings inside that they're trying to exercise on the screen. And I... I was moved by that. Like, I felt like a connection with that. Like, this is, it was something that, like, it was an experience. Well, not specifically. It was a feeling that every single person, every sane person anyway, has has had to deal with it. This idea of guilt and, and, and remorse and, and what it can do to you. And I've seen how a lot of people are saying, like, this wasn't really like a horror movie. And I talked about this a little bit in the review. I, I think the, the appeal of this movie is like, sure, sure, sure monsters from another dimension or aliens like that shit's scary but what's truly terrifying is going through life with this fucking guilt around your neck like a chain that is ruining you as a human being and you're going to carry it through the rest of your life and it's probably going to keep ruining you like that is existentially terrifying and this movie it dances on the line between saccharine and 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 sweet but ultimately, I think it gets across this message of like, in a non-corny way, like you have to let go of all the of all of of, of the guilt you have in your past, or you're going to be fucked either way. I can't recommend this movie enough. It is definitely going to be in my top five movies of any genre this year. Um, you can go to cinepunks.com if you want to read a spoiler-free review before you see this movie. Um, I don't know if it's going to get wide distribution. I hope it is because it's a shame if this movie doesn't. But. Uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, one of those movies where I saw it and I was like, I'm glad I was here for that. I'm glad that I my, paths cro- my path crossed with, you know, this, it took me here and it took me to this seat and I got to see this. I, I'm glad I got to see this moment that this person decided to share with me. It was just a very, uh, very powerful thing. What did, what did you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sucked. Fuck you. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joe, what did you think? Um, I'm kind of embarrassed because I saw it about a month ago and don't remember all the details as well as I would like, but um, I remember it being very moving, Mm. very sad. I remember it feeling like 
the apocalypse is happening and I just uh, have depression and, and I'm going to go about my day like I would mm. any other day, no matter what else is fucking happening because I have depression. And uh, and a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go like looking for jugs of water in a car crash, like, you know, typical apocalypse right. shit. I'm going to take a nap and be sad. Yeah, and uh, it, it's so much more than that. I, I'm I'm really boiling it down to. A, no, I a, think that's part of it, and I think part of what I took from it was, um, I think there should be more apocalypse movies in which um, the end of the world probably isn't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Like the world is is mostly bad actually, and so like I'm not against the movie where we save the world. That also sounds like a good idea. But I think for the purposes of what was coming across here, a movie where our character suddenly becomes a superhero and saves everyone wouldn't really represent what was happening in the film. And that moment, there's, you know, a moment in which it's like, this is kind of nice. No one's around. She's on her own. She doesn't have to worry about people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm an extrovert. That's hell on earth for me. I'd be so bummed. Like my depression, my depression would start when I realized I was on my own and I'd be like, fuck, well, I guess I'll jerk off. I don't know what to do right now. Um, but, uh, but I get it. I still get it. And I think the movie helped me get the idea of, uh, exploring what's going on. And I think you said something good in your review. And I think this is true. A good genre film in my mind helps you as the audience not worry about what's quote-unquote really going on here yeah yeah and that was one of the bummers for us you know the director was there at the screening and there was a QA afterwards oh my and god there are a number of questions that really wanted to know what was really going on here mm-hmm. and i just think one of the you know i'm not saying there's no movie where that's not a relevant question there are films where there's not enough there and you're thinking I know there's something here and I can't get to it because it's whatever. But what's beautiful about a movie like this is you don't need that. You don't need to know it's compelling enough on its own. And if there's something beyond that, that you resonate with because it's representing a feeling that you've had cool, go with that, but you don't need a fucking roadmap. Yeah. Do the monsters represent this or that? And that's Mm -hmm. what people wanted to know. And it, it was, frustrating for me as a fellow audience member to be like why do you need to know the most frustrating thing was um was when the one person asked like it was like the last question of the night and this girl just says like were those two girls gay for each other and i was just like (laughs) offensive phrasing aside like in, in addition to asking that question in the most like problematic way possible um who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Like it really. And I think, uh, I, I think Al White handled it in a way that was very like, um, tactful. Mm-hmm. And I think he did a better way. I, I would have been like, I, I straight up with him. Like, it doesn't fucking matter who gives a shit. So what, which is kind of what he said, but like phrased definitely a, a lot more politely and Britishly. Sure. You know? Um, but I think a lot of people who saw this movie with us, they wanted the person to hold their hand and be like, this is what this represents. This is what, and I don't understand why, because I thought he was quite clear with what everything represented. I thought like, you know, sure it didn't really matter what was real and what wasn't real, but I thought he was fucking crystal clear on like this thing represents this thing. And if you don't get that, then you're lost and no amount of explaining is going to, you shouldn't be watching this movie anyway. 
it's like I, I I'd said after watching that, like up until this moment, the worst. You were there. Were you, were you at the uh, last year's Exhumed films when they did Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead with John Russo? Oh, I wasn't. John Russo was there for the Q&A, like the okay. writer of Night of the Living Dead. And the first question someone says is like, so what brought the dead back to life? And it was like, <sighs> first off, you think he hasn't gotten that question millions of times in the past 50 years? You're the years? first one to ask. That's so crazy. Yeah, like, wow. Well, guys, I got to, here we go. We're going to break it down. Like, <laughs> let me get my notes out. It was just like an irrelevant question. And that that's the... That's, that's the I even said in the review, like if you're the type of person who needs every single thing spoon fed to you and every single th- thing explain you and every little thing to be like, this is what this means and you don't have to take anything away from it because here it is for you. This is what it is. You're not going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was on gross display at the Q&A with these, with these, these, these questions about like, who was that guy? So who was that guy? So, so they were gay for each other? So who was that guy? Like, <laughs> shut up. You shouldn't be allowed to watch movies. So was there, I mean, there was literally a question. Was there a theme with the starfish? Yeah. I don't know, man. Was there a fucking theme with the star? What the, who gives a shit? <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> before we get all negative, this is not a negative. We're a positive podcast. I uh, no, No, we get negative. Yeah. Sometimes. But I do think we still have two awesome movies to talk about. So I want to, I want to give us the old, is there anything else before we move on? Um, I, no. Okay. The Walking Dead's been good so far this season, but we don't have time to talk about that. I'm not watching. Yeah, I am. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1989's society and Brian Yuzna's work as a whole. So we'll be right back. For Bill Whitney. I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister... Could you zip me up, Billy? ...is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves with me. You're going to drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? It's far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy boy? The rich have all sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, guy. Clarissa? Don't be so intense. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. You never were one of us. You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. I I don't think so. Can't you see they're setting you up for something? You know how I hate to give you drugs. You're officially dead. Don't go home, Billy. No, 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 no. Bill Whitney is about to become one. Showtime, Billy! With society. (laughs) Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. (laughs) In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. 
And we are back to talk about 1989 or 92's Society. 89. Was there a confused it release? Was, it was released in the U.S. in June of 1992. Oh, it had European release first? Yes. Oh, that's so, interesting. I didn't know that. This was written, it's just movie society. It was written by Woody Keith and Rick Fry and starred Billy Warlock, Connie Denise, Bill, Ben Slack, and Tim Bartell. Now, Jen, tell yeah. us a little bit about your love for Brian Yesna. <laughs> your deep and abiding passion. Um, I feel, have I represent, misrepresented myself? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think he's fucking with you. Okay, great, great. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh man, they, they're bringing me on the show. Well, why, why, why did you, why did you want to do society? Okay. Um, I do have a deep love for society. Okay. Um, maybe not Yasna as, as a whole, but, um, man, society's just fucking, it, it's 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 kind of hard to talk about, which is a shame because this is a podcast. But I feel like the finale alone is just worth the the entire ride. It's not it's not a perfect film, but uh, you, you get to that that end point and it just blows your mind. And I don't know how much we want to say about it now. Should should we no, wait? It's we. I mean. We can talk about whenever, whenever. Well, I was going to say, we should, you know, touch upon, like, because Brian Yusin is not like a de- dis- divisive figure in the mm-hmm. horror community. Um, but I think when you and I had first watched this movie all those years ago. Sure. I had said, like, watching this, I was like, it's like Brian Yusin is like this, like, big name in, like, horror films. Because mm-hmm. he does all this work with, like, Stuart Gordon. Sure. And then it was like, but then you look at his, like, filmography like stuff he's directed and it's very right you know what i mean like there's like society which is like oh my fucking god Mm -hmm. but then like you got like you know before we were recording we're talking about like return of living dead three and how it's like yeah it's okay it's good (laughs) but then you got stuff like bride of reanimator still good it's fine it's fine segments of necronomicon i think he actually did direct the best part of necronomicon which is good it's fine. It fuck you. Uh, the dentist. Never seen it. Same. Faust. Never seen it. I'm familiar with the comics. Okay. Did not see the. Film. He made a movie version of the comic. Yeah, man. Yeah, you didn't know that. Fuck. No, I thought you meant Faust, like the fucking nah. original story, not the fuck. No, no, he com- made a movie of the comic. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we got to watch that. You can watch that. I've seen it. It's bad. I saw it when I was a kid and wasn't like nuts about it. This was also like immediately like post spawn. So I was just like, sure. this is just, you know, uh, and then he did, uh, beyond Reman- beyond reanimator, which is whatever. And, um, he made a movie called beneath still waters, which have either of you seen that? No. Nope. Actual trash heap of a movie. Wow. And that, I mean, of what I've seen from the list you just said. Yeah. I only like society. Okay. I don't hate. I think Return of the Living Dead 3 is actually surprisingly good considering I assumed it would be actual poop out of my butt. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think Bride of Reanimator is fine. I think it mm, doesn't get a lot of what made Reanimator good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fine movie, but it isn't. 
It isn't a fitting sequel to Reanimator. Weirdly, From Beyond is a much better sequel to Reanimator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Necronomicon, no thank you. Anyway. What do you mean, no thank you? <laughs> I don't like it. I haven't seen it. We watched it together, and I told you then that I didn't think it was that great. I blocked that memory out of my head. I don't hate it. it. I'm not... Again, it's not that I... Of the ones I've seen, I, I hate. I'm sorry it's not... Um, Whatever you're going to say, it's going to be stupid. <laughs> Streets of Fire. Yeah, Streets of Fire is a fucking magic movie. <laughs> How could you pick an actual magical blessing of a movie? I'm sorry it's not Taxi Driver. Well, okay. So, what? I, didn't, I don't need it to be Taxi Driver. So, anyway, driver. He, also, he also produced many of... He, he did a lot of work with Stuart Gordon. Yeah, he did. Like, let's... let's let, okay, let's move along with actual productive conversation. He did a lot of work with Stuart Gordon. So, he's very heavily influenced by... Um, our friendly neighborhood racist H.P. Lovecraft. He did a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of adapting H.P. Lovecraft stories. Sure. He produced Dagon from Beyond, Dolls and Reanimator. So he had a hand in a lot of these great movies, even if he wasn't directing them. And he actually uh, he co-wrote uh, From Beyond with Stuart Gordon, uh, Stuart Gordon, and our friend Dennis Paoli. And a little bit of trivia: guess which Rick Moranis vehicle he co-wrote back in the late '80s, early '90s? You already told me, so I won't say anything. Yeah. I already know. Should we just say it? Say it. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He fucking wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Amazing. Okay, but is that really that big a surprise? Because Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is just doesn't have the balls to go full Lovecraftian. There's a Lovecraftian there, element. There, 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 there certainly is, yeah. There's a there's a part of you that's like, if they had shrunk them a little bit more, this would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. If they it's could already go, creepy. If they could get into the microcosm and see which lurks under our fucking noses as we speak, oh, that man. could be a true horror masterpiece. What is the, what is the uh, candy they find in the backyard in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Shit, I don't remember. It's like a Nutty Buddy or something? Or? Something like that. The thing is, someone pointed this out, and it's such a weird detail, but I got it. It's like, how could it be a whole, what kind of monster child is like, I'm going to drop this giant, I mean, it's a cookie. It, it's not like they found a small thing. They found a full cookie, right? Yeah, yeah. What kid dropped that and went, neither will I eat that thing, nor <laughs> will I pick it up and put it in the trash. I'll just leave it here in the yard. Uh, that in and of itself lets you know that those kids are fucked already before they're shrunk. Also, why is there a scorpion in suburbia? No reason. Well, I'm sure one of the kids owned it because he's the same fucker <laughs> who left the cookie monster. out there has a pet scorpion that he feeds like ants to. Oh my God. So anyway, um, let's talk about society. Um, as our guest of honor, you had said, Jenny. Yes. Um, Let's just get this out of the way right now. Okay. This movie is a 90-minute buildup. Yes. To yes. a fucking payoff. Um, what's the what's the special effects guy's name? Uh, that would be Screaming Mad George, who was a freaking collaborator of Brian Yuzna. He yep. did the special effects in uh, the best anthology film of all time that Liam's wrong about, uh, Necronomicon, which you should watch. He did it. <laughs> right. special, he also did the special effects in um, From Beyond. Yep. And he directed The Giver. Did you know he directed The Giver? I did, because we talked about him we did. when we watched Society the first time. Yes. And we talked about how, I believe, he was active in the Burning Spirits uh, movement in Japan. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Screaming Mad George is a obviously not his real name. I mean, <laughs> we assume. Who knows? I don't speak Japanese. Yeah. But he, uh, he, he is big. He does a lot of work. He did, I think, the special effects in Dream Master. 
Something like that. Yeah. He is very gooey, um, <laughs> which if you, if anyone who's seen this movie, you know what we're talking. He, he specializes in that sort of weird Dolly-esque yep. surrealness where like there's like foots coming out of mouths and like boobs on heads and like wieners everywhere. He, he just does weird, fleshy, flappy, slimy, flappy <laughs> Shit. Wait, are there flaps? <laughs> There's flaps. <laughs> just and slime. There's a lot of flaps and slime in this movie. Yes. And slime flaps. Slime flaps. Um, <laughs> so I just want to know, like, what what, what was your... Because we know how I saw this movie. This is actually one of the first movies that Liam and I watched together. Oh, nice. Um, how did you guys, like, discover this movie? Um, I think I just... Uh, okay, well, here's an interesting thing I want to go over. Um, yeah. You know how when you went to like the the rental place uh, to get VHS tapes yeah. when you were a kid, and there were these movies where you just saw the poster uh, on the cover over and over and over, and you never actually watched it because either you were too young or you just never got around to it. But sure. you built up over the years like this picture in your head of what this movie is, and uh, both Society and Return of the Living Dead Three. Were, were movies like no that shit. for me. Yeah. yeah, I would be seeing these covers and... I saw the cover of Return of the Dead 3 either in the box itself or poster form everywhere, I felt like. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time when I first saw it, I still had not seen Return of the Living Dead. And I'm like, we well, can't watch that. I don't know I don't know what's <laughs> going I don't know what the lead up is. Which is not yep. true, by the way. <laughs> no, not necessary. But uh, yeah, I was seeing this really evocative poster. I- I'm sure everyone's seen it. It's like a couple fancy people and the woman is uh holding her face away like a mask and there's like a slimy trail of flesh going to the mask and uh it's just really makes you wonder like what the fuck is that about right but i didn't see it for years and then eventually arrow i think put out like this really fancy new blu-ray set and i was like well i gotta i gotta get it and so i only saw it for the first time like maybe a, a year or two ago Oh, uh, when, when that came out, that, that set, and uh, I fell in love. Uh, Yasna's not perfect, and it is a long, cheesy, hollow buildup. But once you get there, once you arrive at the final act, it's all it's all worth it. And uh, you just have to show people. You just have right. to be like, oh, man. You just have, sit it out. You have no idea what you're fucking in for, man. <laughs> so uh, let me... Let me uh, one thing blow your mind real quick that blu-ray release was actually three years ago okay wow okay (laughs) and i know that because uh that was what me and justin watched because i purchased that blu-ray and guess what justin that was the first time i saw society really yeah i purchased it because probably the same as uh jen here people were fucking freaking out about it on twitter and for a box it wasn't that expensive and i thought I like Arrow. I'll just just order this because it's not expensive. And it came and I thought, wow, this looks fucking crazy. And then you were coming over with your mans. And I was like, oh, I got this society thing. And you're like, oh, let's watch that. That's right. Andrew Andrew McArdle. Yeah. uh, McArdle came over. You and McArdle came over. And I just... it just didn't come up that I hadn't seen before. I was just like, yeah, I got the box. Let's watch it. And so uh, I was fucking blown away. Uh, And could not believe I had not even... In, unlike you, mm-hmm. I had not grown up with this VHS box or the poster or anything. I had never fucking heard of this movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, 
I didn't know any Brian Yesen movies other than Return of the Living Dead 3. And I didn't know that he had directed Return of the Living Dead 3. I just knew See, I, I, that I, that movie existed. But I, like before society, watching Society, I'd never even heard of most of his movies. I had, I had went through, when I was in college, I had gone through a phase of like, when I first discovered the term body horror. Right. And I was like, oh shit, there's an actual genre for that? Like there are other movies that are like the thing in the fly. Like those weren't just these weird like moments in cinema history that these like isolated events. Like there's actual movies that they make like that. Um, I went and uh, you know did like the you know deep dark internet rabbit hole, and this was back in two thousand five. Sure. So I don't think like society had gotten like a wide release at that point. Well, on like no. DVD home media. So when you would go on Wikipedia, you would always see like they would list, they'd be like, Tetsuo the Iron Man, uh, The Thing, The Stuff, uh, Body Melt, Street Trash, blah, 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 Society. And like out of all of those movies, they all have these really evocative titles except for fucking Society. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's directed by Brian Yuzna, who I knew just because, again, his association with uh, Stuart Gordon. Um, but I had never seen this movie until Liam and I had watched it together. And it's a little heavy handed on the social commentary, Mm -hmm. but I completely appreciate it. Okay. But here's the, let me just side note that a little bit because we had this guy, I was going to, God, this is all rushing back to me. Remember I was going to write a thing about they live society and one other horror movie and just talk about how these 80 genre films that dealt with class. Yeah. One, because I fucking love them. They're all heavy handed as hell. Yeah. 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 But I love them. Yeah. But I also think they are, problematic because they let white people ignore the literal war on black people that the Reagan administration was conducting. Yeah, yeah. Because all these movies are very much like, it's about class. And it's like, it is about class, but like no one's shooting up your home because you live next to a drug dealer, which is literally what was happening happening, in the inner city. So like, I love them and I am annoyed by them, which is like kind of how I feel about most things. So whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we watched it, that's when I had that click and I was going to write that thing and I never got to it because life sucks and I'm an asshole. Um, but I kind of love how heavy, I love how heavy handed it is because even though it's not smart, I mean, it's not a very smart movie no. and it's not subtle in any way. Um, I'm so annoyed at the sort of humans for which this movie is mocking and coming at yep. that I'm like, that's fair. I mean, literally, it's like, it's like to the point where like it, you, it, in Trump's America, in which we're living this hell hole that yes. we call. Um, I'm at the point now like if someone's cartoon is just like literally Trump eating human feces I'd be like yeah that's good no, that's- fuck that guy you know <laughs> that's how I feel about this movie is like the people for which the movie is suggesting they're not human I suspect might not be human just by how they act now granted I know they are because I know that humans uh, actually probably are more like that by definition in some ways yeah. maybe they are more human because they're such monsters but but the point is is that I it appeals to me and it's un, the same way I think the way I feel about certain kinds of like punk and hardcore because people oh it's so childish and I'm like yeah but sometimes don't you want that childish stupid just angry like fuck you you know yeah like, yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. what this movie kind of is it's a big old middle finger that culminates in the fucking grossest most awesome thing ever you know yeah. like I don't know I love that part of it but it is kind of dumb I mean it is kind of I agree, but but it's like, yeah, these rich people, rich people are 
disgusting. Uh, it's uh, they're excess. Uh, they have all this money and and they don't fucking help anybody. They just take yeah. and take and take. And this movie, it's like this blunt instrument, just saying, yep. just just saying that it's screaming. Rich people are disgusting, uh, and they will destroy us all if they if they can. And I, I, what I like about this movie is you could take out the culmination of this film which we're dancing around and i love it because i can't wait to talk about it you can take the culmination of this film completely out of the picture and you can take all the weird shit leading up to it completely out of the picture like how his sister's head's on backwards or he sees that girl that he's sleeping with like and her legs are on backwards like you can Mm -hmm. take all that out and still it paints a picture of like like wealth as synonymous with like degeneracy like you know what i mean like like every time his father is on screen with his daughter he's always doing these like weird lingering touches and it's like no father would ever no right no no sane good-hearted father would ever yeah basically our president yeah like i mean you know donald trump would absolutely do that and there's fucking pictures of him doing it but um but just the way like they talk about their kids yep and the way they talk about um, their friends. It's this whole idea of like they are as different from us as we are from earthworms. Like, and even if you don't get into the uh, sort of very literal in-your-face thing that comes with the end of this movie, they they, they just the way they show it. It's it's like I, I think uh, the character of um, what's his name Billy Billy Whitney. Yeah. He is the sole person in this movie who is just like, none of this fucking dumb shit that you people believe in matters. Like in the in the beginning of the movie, he's like all in. He's like, yeah, debate club, like cool. But then when they're like, are you going to the coming out party? He's like, no, and it's fucking stupid. It doesn't matter. We should go to, to Ted Ferguson's party. Why? It's dumb. It doesn't matter. I don't care that he sent us a fucking telegram. All the shit that you people believe in doesn't matter. It's stupid. It's pointless. And I don't want no part of it. And like you as an audience member, as a normal middle class human being are saying like, oh, he's absolutely right. None of this shit really matters. Of course, it's this weird inhuman ritual that these fucking mutants who are our overlords engage yeah. in because they're monsters. And then um, we found out they actually are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I actually, let's talk about that. The part of the movie, it's not that it's subtle, but I actually think it works well. It's compelling narratively. Is this dude's fucking anxiety problem? Yeah. Because the reality is, and this isn't true of everyone, there are other people in the movie who seem perfectly happy with their mutant child fucking overlords yeah <laughs> but for our man who kind of sees that something isn't right he can't put his finger on it he's not in a way he's not really smart enough to understand what's going on at first but i think more importantly he feels it in his fucking core and i think for a certain segment of the audience you identify with that you maybe don't maybe you don't have super rich parents to which you well, feel the whole idea of, from. i feel i i feel like i have to be adopted and his therapist right. is like that's a very common thing like you don't you're going through this weird stage in life where you don't relate to your parents at all he's like no i really don't relate to my parents yeah like the movie is sort of affirming i just think the reality is if you are not someone who is exceedingly successful in this world there's a good 50 to 60 percent chance that you have anxiety or depression period yeah. That's just the reality that people who struggle are often also unhappy. Now, there are exceptions. People we know who work very hard and thankless jobs who also somehow fucking click their heels and have a smile on their face. And I have all the respect. To them. I'm not, no disrespect to that. Yeah, if more you power can, to them. If you can be happy, that's great. But the idea in this movie that he knows something isn't right, but it's also more effective that he's not 
some asshole in the school who he has all this i think part of what is moving and it makes it maybe not as good as a class critique but it represents i think something more emotional is that he has all the benefits like he's benefiting from his asshole rich parents yeah but he knows something isn't right and i think that's actually a little bit easier in some ways narratively for us to relate to. He could have been some rebel who's like, I'm the badass in the school and I carry a switchblade. I'm and fucking blah, blah, blah. Ted the yeah. Tycoon Ferguson. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Party animal to Beverly Hills. But you know what I mean? Like, There could have been a dude who's like the guy who's at Beverly Hills High School who doesn't belong there. Like, We've seen that story too. You know, you just happen to live in the rich town, but you are not rich. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it could have been Blanchard. I feel like the movie easily could have been from his point of view. Right. But I think there's something about him being related to them in some sense that hypes that feeling of alienation. And I think it speaks to the audience, which like I'm sure there's a chunk of the audience for whom the whole movie is quote unquote alien, if you know what I mean. But, But the idea that there's a chunk of people who actually are benefiting from the world but still feel like something isn't right actually I think allows it to have more of a, a sharpness to it. Uh, of course, it's also ridiculous when they're all fucking melding together and whatever, whatever, and, you know, shunting, shunting mm-hmm. the smell of the hunt, the taste of the shunt, <laughs> but the idea that it's more the idea that there's anxiety leading up to that. And I, and I don't want to downplay that again. There are some stupid moments leading up to that too. It's not, the best script in the world. I think, but I think his anxiety I felt was well done, and it, it actually leads. I, th- leads I think to the the, the best part where it talks about like you know I had said earlier we don't need to see how his sister's head's on backwards or there's fucking she has she's oozing slime. I think the scene that's like very like of course rich people do weird shit is when he's like talking to that girl and she's like, how do you take your tea? <laughs> tea, sugar. Do you want me to pee in it? And he's just like, whatever. And you're like you're thinking of like, I. Like, I guarantee that conversation has happened. Like, of mm-hmm. course, rich people are like, yes, I'll take a cup of tea. Could you piss in it first? <laughs> <laughs> because, like, rich people are into weird, disgusting shit. Mm, forbidden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I guess I guess uh, finding a finding a, a guardian angel investor for Cinepunks is going out the window right yeah, now. Yeah, how about it? <laughs> so let's... Uh, let, let's Let's talk about the culmination of this movie and oh, and, and and the fucking. I, I mean, plot wise, we haven't said that much about it. We've sort of danced around it. Let's just directly say, you know, a dude feels out of place. He feels like everything is wrong. Slowly, we begin to see that things are fucked up and that things aren't quite. Whatever. But they do it enough where it's like at first you're like, is this all in his it's, head? It might be in his head. Yeah, yeah. And then after a while, and honestly, some of it is in his head. When he bites into the apple and there's worms in the apple, that's in his head. That's in his head. He mm-hmm. has anxiety. But we slowly realize his anxiety is coming from the reality, which is that uh, his family are fucking weird mutant overlords. <laughs> are they aliens? I don't... They're well, not aliens. They've, they've been always... there a long time. Yeah. Right, right, right. Crypto-terrestrials. <laughs> yeah, they're crypto-terrestrials. Anyways, uh, as things get weirder and weirder, it culminates into the... It's called shunting. Shunting. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a fucked up body melt orgy sort of thing going on here. Sort of. Uh, this is a this movie is this scene in particular. There's an ass face. There, there is an ass <laughs> there face. There is. You have probably seen a still yeah. from this movie. If you are tangentially into horror movies, at some point you have seen an image of this movie. Or let's say you spend too much time on Tumblr about five years ago. Yes. Was that like a thing? Was that was that like when that Blu-ray came out? 
I it was everywhere. Seeing okay, the ass face everywhere. Because <laughs> you could get a still. You could get a good still of it. You yeah. couldn't get before. Yeah. So the the scene, the 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 crowning moment in this movie, the the, the part that like you know that Yuzna was working up to the whole time. There's this scene where they're at this party, and uh, Billy is like his family is straight up just like we're not actually related to you. I'm not actually your mother. I'm not actually your father. You're just fucking fodder right. and your food. And here's what's going to happen. And they bring in uh, Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Poor Blanchard. I feel yeah. so fucking bad for that guy. They bring him in and they all start undressing. All these like rich, weird people. There's just, there's like, again, there's just a lot of flapping and there's like <laughs> moisture and it's just like, ugh. they all start like rubbing up on him. And then you start to see that they're like all oozing slime. And then, you see that they're like kind of like doing like the weird John Carpenter hand in the thing. Like, you know, at the end of the thing when, right. you know, Wilford Brimley like does, he's like melting into them. They're all like sort of melting in together and they're just like, they're like consuming him and they're all oozing together and then they fucking eat this kid. They like, they just consume him, they absorb him. And then there's like five minutes of just this room full of naked people that are all fucking connected by this weird, they're like, Mel- I, I, I'm not doing this justice at all. I'm not doing this justice at all. But if you've seen this movie, I don't need to because you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's this strange Cronenbergian fucking nightmare vision of these rich people just tangled together. Well, the, the it, visually, it's just a nightmare. Yes, Yes. Uh, emotionally, I feel like it's supposed to represent both eating and fucking. Like that they're they're consuming this person, but they're also very much enjoying each other. Yes. It's literally like they're eating a sandwich and coming on each other at the same time. Yes. And it's very, it, it's legitimately very upsetting. Yep. Like as a horror fan, as an established horror fan, you watch this movie and you can enjoy the effects. You, you can just get down with all the weird puppetry and fucking gore on display. But if you just step out of that fanboy, fangirl mindset, um, it's very upsetting. Yeah, if I showed my grandfather this movie, he would be like, don't ever talk to me ever again. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> like I find it reminiscent of like, like it's it's kind of like I'm gonna go there. It's kind of like a gang rape. Uh, this, right. This no, guy that's true. arrives. Absolutely. He's wearing like this medical gown. He's very vulnerable, and then everyone around him starts undressing and tearing it off of him. And you're like, oh my god! Like, there's a very visceral, like this is not okay. This is very scary. Like. He, he's very vulnerable and they're about to just go to town on him in one way or another. Yeah, well, apparently in both ways. Yeah, yep, both ways. And it, it's it, Again, it's it's not to be lost in all of this. It's it's a person who is weak being preyed upon by people who are powerful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then if that, if all this wasn't, uh, you know, on the nose enough, a judge... A, a, a man of the law, like the highest you can get when it comes to like in the, in the court of law. Um, I mean, they don't show this explicitly, but he fucking fists this dude mm-hmm. uh, up and then fucking ruins his head. And, it, it, you know, it, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of saying this, we're kind of making a bit of a yuck about it, but 
I mean, it really is like what Yuzna is trying to say is that the rich are out to consume and fuck us figuratively and literally. Mm -hmm. That's all we are. They're not actual people. They're a separate species. They're fucking parasites. They're weird and they shouldn't be trusted. And this shit, while this is not exactly happening, there's not shunting and and webs being built between people. You think. That that we know of. Yeah, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But equally sinister and equally malicious shit is happening at the hands of people of power to the people who to to to, to the uh the, the 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 hoi polloi well it feels like he can do anything right he could he could show whatever gross fucking thing he wants because it's not as gross as the reality that we live in yeah shunting is disgusting but you know it's even you know it's even more disgusting actually fucking your daughter and getting away with it right which i'm not going to say someone in power has done right or or even just say like I mean, we're living in this reality right now where we worry about every little thing, every little dumb, gross thing that the president like tweets, which is fine. I get it. He makes me mad, too. But then like children being separated at the border or thousands of that important sexual predators being appointed to the highest court. No, like Brett Kavanaugh could have been at fucking Ted the Tycoon Ferguson's party. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh probably was actually there. He's a shunter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, literally, like, someone literally, because we are on Cinepunks, let me make this, you know, connection. Brett Kavanaugh literally went to Georgetown, the prep school. Yeah. So, chances are him and his friends probably actually beat up Ian McKay at some point. Yeah. That's who he is. Like, literally, like, when your favorite punk band was thinking about the rich kids who threw beer cans at their heads, that's who is now on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Like, that's time, period, place, person. That's who he is. And... In the same thing, like, it's really easy to just be grossed out watching this movie. And in that sense, I love that the movie, in its grossness, in its excess, is in some ways trying to have fun, right? It's trying to do something over the top. But underneath that is still a rage. And the combo of those two things, like, "Eh, his face is an ass. Also, fuck these fucks. Yeah, yeah. Those two things together are great for me because the reality is. You know, take Brian Yuzna's same amount of what I think is legitimate anger is that's probably fueling this movie and put it in a serious drama. That's a heavy movie that you might not want to watch. Yeah. It might be great, but it might just be a boring, preachy, all right, I get it, buddy, whatever. This movie has as much brutal honesty in it, but is also ridiculous. I mean, you, I have fun watching it. I have Even a blast as I'm grossed it. out, yeah. I'm having fun watching it. Yeah. I don't think he would be skilled enough to create a really gripping drama. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that he's just in this 1989 fucking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> just going for it and, and playing to his strengths. Uh, yeah, he, he knocked it out of the park the first time, and it's unfortunately been a downhill descent since then. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... What it regard even if you love Necronomicon, which I do, nothing compares to society. Nothing he's done compares to society. No, I mean, no. It, he he's had um, it's it's not as bad. It, it's it's similar to um, I would say like a Toby Hooper style phenomenon, where like Toby Hooper is he made arguably the greatest horror film of all time. But people, but then when you really like people, are like yeah, but he only made like that one great movie, and I'm like, nah, you have you seen Life Force? Have you, se- have you seen, are you familiar with like, I mean, he did Poltergeist, even if he didn't direct it, which he didn't, seems weird, we all know that. He Stop still had it. a hand in it. 
it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's like, so good, too. It's so good. It is. It's like it, Toby Hooper made these, like, he made several really amazing movies. Sure. Brian Yuzna made Society and then a couple of okay movies. Yeah. I mean, he had a hand in some great uh, no doubt. Stuart Gordon movies. No doubt. But, but I will say this. Um, as much as I love this, those Stuart Gordon movies, uh, I actually find Society more rewatchable than Dolls. Okay. Uh, I think I prefer Reanimated to Society. From beyond, yeah, I prefer From Beyond to Society, but I absolutely, definitely, but yeah. I definitely prefer Society to Dolls. And was there a fourth movie we talked about? He worked on for Stewart Dagon. Well, I will take Society <laughs> over Dagon every day of the week. Yeah, like leaps and bounds. I might take Necromonomicon over Dagon. Actually, really, you don't like Dagon that much? It's fine. It feels like a sci-fi original movie to me. It does. I mean, it came out uh, that that was like a late nineties. I don't know when that movie came out. All I'm saying is society is the, the, the comparable thing to Hooper for me is that um, the only reason I can handle people who are Hooper skeptics is because Texas Chainsaw is so good. Yes. I think that they're not valu- evaluating properly his other movies, which I think are also good. Yeah. But Texas Chainsaw is a phenomenon. Yeah. It's, it's in the same sense. Society is so good that like if society, I mean, again, it's stupid in some ways, whatever, whatever. But compared to his other movies, I think it's so good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it wasn't for society, I don't think I would notice him enough to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, between Return of the Living Dead 3 and fucking, you know, Necronomicon, like, you know, he is all right. He's, he's got some stuff. You've never seen Beneath Still Waters. <laughs> you would be singing a different <laughs> tune if you had seen sure, Beneath sure. Still but Waters. You, but you know what I mean? Like, it's that society so good that I'm willing to watch some of these other Absolutely. movies. Absolutely. And give them a chance. And, and I don't hate them, but like, you know, they're just, it's just not the same. You yeah, know? I got you. When it's your first movie, I think you're 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 hungry. You've been wanting right. it for so long. Right. You're working your ass off, and, and often, you know, you you come out of the gate with with this amazing statement. And next time you make a movie, you've got a little bit more money, a little bit more leeway, and usually a tighter schedule. So, sure. a lot of these guys, they just don't reach that same height again. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't hungry anymore. <laughs> he what, you he know, had already shunted all the poor he, people. He, he shunted all the poor people. Yeah, uh, but uh, again, let, let's not. It, it, it's still worth noting that, like, just because this is the only great movie he directed, he still wrote and produced and had a hand in. Like you said, right? A lot of movies that are undeniably like Very moments in in, yeah. in 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 the horror genre, for sure. Uh, so, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with society, or you want to move on to Return of Living Dead Three? I'm assuming everyone who listens to this probably has seen Society, but if for some reason you haven't, I highly recommend it. Knowing, of course, that you know it's not fucking Shakespeare, but it's it's great. Better than Shakespeare. Well, <laughs> this movie slaps. What has Shakespeare done that slaps? Mm, Nothing. That's fair. That's fair. This movie definitely fucks. Unfortunately, this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This movie shunts. Like. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that was Society. So I guess we'll take a quick break. Quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about 1990 somethings. We'll say 1993 because it's Return of Living sure. Dead three. Uh, <laughs> I didn't work. On I that. didn't write. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to come back. We're going to talk about 1990 whatevers. Return of the Living Dead three. Return of the Living Dead three. We'll be right back. All right. Bye. They vowed to stay together forever, that their love would never die, but their pledge remain untested. Oh. 
problem when the boss's son remember until they went looking for a thrill and stumbled on the chilling fact let's proceed that even the dead can go on living they came back to life we gotta get out of here and tonight fate will put their promises <laughs> to the test now that she's dead, he's frightened to live without her. But bringing her back is terrifying. <gasps> oh, God, Kurt, that was incredible. Let's do it again. Contain it, damn it! Seal it off now! Is that what I'm gonna become? These poor dead bastards crave brains. She didn't live. She gave you something bad. It feels like hungry. Never find you down here. What have you done? If she attacks him, he becomes like her. I just get a little confused sometimes. No! Love never dies. And we are back to talk about uh, 1993's uh, 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 Return of the Living Dead 3. Leo O'Donnell available for voiceover work. <laughs> Written by John Penny, starring Melinda Clark, J. Trevor Edward, Edmund. One of those guys. I'm going to start calling myself J. Philip Lore. That's how you guys refer to me from now on. Okay. Uh, Kent McCord and Basil Wallace. Had a budget of $2 million. You guys want to guess how much it grossed? <laughs> 100000 not even close. Oh, $54,000. No. Oh, no. It was released on October 29th, 1993. So we are coming up on the 25th anniversary of Brian Yuzna's zombie masterpiece, <laughs> Return of the Living Dead 3. So um, a little personal note on this movie. This is embarrassing as hell, but whatever. Um, we're all friends, so we can talk about it. I had first seen this movie. I was in eighth grade so not long after this movie came out like maybe five or six years after this movie came out i was watching it at a friend's house and the beginning of this movie scared me like mm-hmm. when they see like they have that weird cadaver um like that is scary that till the, even watching it now i'm still like oh yeah that's pretty freaky that's pretty that guy like that's a person that looks like that that's pretty weird um so I was shook by that, but the part that like literally kept me awake all night that night, to, I mean, I was laying in bed like, fuck, was the scene when uh, my man brings his girlfriend back with the trioxin and that zombie gets out. Mm-hmm. And I had posted, the, watching it the other night, I had posted the video, like that scared me so fucking bad when I was a kid. And I don't know why, because I watch it now, and I posted videos on Instagram the other day where it's like, me show, me, me sliding into your DMs, because the guy's like, ah, ha, 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 <laughs> making these like weird gobbling noises and like hooting. And it is, it is the furthest thing from scary I've ever seen in a horror movie, where they're trying to be scary. It's fucking laughable. Um... So that's that's the space that this movie occupies in my heart is that it was the one thing I was afraid of. Not when I was like a little kid. Again, I was like 14 or 15 when, when I saw that and it, it, it shook me. It shook me very bad. And now I watch it. and I'm like, what 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 is even what is wrong with me? Did I ever tell you that the part that gives me nightmares in any movie when I was a kid was uh, the stuff where uh, he opens his mouth really big and the stuff shoots out. Uh, who, who does? 
I don't remember his name. It's Chocolate Chip Charlie. Have Chocolate some fucking respect. Here's the thing. I told Larry Cohen that to his face, that his movie fucked me up and really scared me, and he was not impressed at all. He thought that was dumb. And then when he saw what I ordered for brunch, which was biscuits and gravy, he said, that's scarier than the stuff. What the fuck is that? And then <laughs> he kept like pretending to be afraid of my brunch all morning. Oh, Larry Cohen. I mean, I told I told D.B. Sweeney that fire in the sky gave me nightmares, and he was just like nervously glancing over at security like, uh, okay, come on. <laughs> I like that. Um, um, there's nothing scary about this movie. No, not at all. No. Uh, let's. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, here we go. What, what, what's what's let, let? Okay. Let's before we before we go any further. Let let's get into. Uh, I don't want to really want to talk about the phenomenon of Return of the Living Dead. It's like a well documented thing in horror mm-hmm. history. Sure. The background with John Russo and all that and everything like that. Um, Right off the bat, I'll say one of the problems with the Return of the Living Dead movies that where they fall short, as opposed to like George Romero movies, is that they're all about the zombies. And the zombies, it's like you don't care about any of the human characters. And in Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2, it's fine because those are kind of silly movies. But one of the things right off the bat from this movie that right off the bat, which I just said, makes it like kind of a weak movie is that like you're asked to invest in characters that you have no right investing in because you don't give a fuck about these people. Mm-hmm. Like neither of the main characters in the movie are very, like I feel kind of bad for, for Julie, but she's a bad person. Yeah. She just, she's a bad person. We'll get into that. I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see where you go with that <laughs> because I think I, when I, when I watched this, I had, I had, I, I felt her boyfriend was the one who was, who was mm. was was more like, what are you doing here, man? Um, but how how do you feel about this movie overall? Um, I don't think it's good, but um, I find it very enjoyable. Um, I think it's another example of Yasna uh, having this grand uh, final act like set piece in mind, and then having to find some convoluted way. To get there. To get there. And it usually, just like society, completely rings hollow. Um, but eventually you get there and wow, like this showstopper and end piece. But um, yeah, it's not good. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Living Dead one, I will say, established uh, this mythology about um, the zombies and how they are suffering. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, that always really fucked me up. Like okay. in the original film, like uh, you've got that lady on the table saying mm-hmm. that they eat the brains because it stops the pain of being dead. And the um, the halved dogs at the medical facility that all come to life and are squirming. Yep. And, and uh, when the guy has to incinerate himself because it's the only way that he'll die, and you can tell maybe that didn't even work. And yeah, because uh, he's I, back in the second one. Yeah. What, did you, what you guys, did you guys see the second one? I didn't see the second okay. one. The running gag in the second one is that both those characters are like they're just in this in the movie, and they're, they're like, "Why does this feel so familiar?" Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I'll watch it though. It's very good. It's it's still a lot of fun. Okay, but I feel like the first one establishes that feel, and I agree it's not as good. Like in the Romeros, you're looking at the the humans and what this is doing to them, sure, what they're doing to each other. 
but I do find it fascinating and upsetting what they establish about about the zombies and what's going on in them, their inner life. And I think that three, for all its many faults, sure, expands on this idea in some interesting ways. Unfortunately, it retcons some good ideas. Okay. Like um, it gets rid of the eating the brains to reduce pain and changes it to like they need neurons or, or something. Yeah. Elect- electricity. El- electricity. The electrolytes. Yeah. The brain. <laughs> it's what zombies crave. <laughs> yeah. And that's unfortunate. But the 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 big climax at the end again gets into this like the evil government experimenting on these poor creatures. uh and and how they are truly suffering and in a lot of pain. And I, I think that last scene that's really highlighting how much uh, they are suffering can be a little upsetting if you're in the zone. If you're not, that's cool because it it's not a movie that deserves the zone. No, no. But I, I will <laughs> say, I will say one of the the one character in this that i think is like man that's a you is the river man yes like right i i like he's a good character he's an interesting character so at the end when it's like that's the only really earned thing in this movie is when like it's sort of like he still recognizes them and he's still like they're still torque like when they're torturing him you're like fuck but he's like a good guy like you know what i mean like and it's he's not just a zombie and it's like they establish that these things have, even though they're, they will kill and eat us, that these things are in pain and they have, they're capable of feeling and they're capable of like emotional attachment and they're still being like, they're just bioweapons. They're just, we're going to put these, put, put them in these exoskeletons for whatever reason. And I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there and say like, I do appreciate how they really lean into that. That mm-hmm. the that the, the whole idea of like the pain of being dead is like the shittiest possible thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how to get at what I want to say about this, because I actually really like the female character, and I think the idea of her using pain to distract herself from the hunger, though technically it's a retcon on the original, which I also like. Mm-hmm. But the idea that that's what they're doing in this movie. I fucking love that. I actually think that if the rest of the movie was better, i.e. if any of the other performances were that great. Like, it's literally like Riverman and her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dad yeah. sucks. Boyfriend sucks. Uh, uh, racist Hispanic stereotypes suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Weird British woman working for the, for the for the American military for some reason. She's not great. No. Everything sucks for me except for the main lady. What about the zombie with the arm? Who, who, who? I fucking hate it. What about me as a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I actually think her pre-zombie her is kind of annoying, and she's not a great influence. But I also kind of get it. She's She wants something more. Yeah. Then she gets something more, unfortunately. And it is horrible. And the idea that her cutting and altering and messing with her body is a way to distract from this other thing mm-hmm. i think is actually really great and it's almost for me too good for the movie here's the thing i like the idea of it but the execution visually reeks of like body mod obsessed normals fetishizing you know piercings and all like how every like square normal like 
tap out afflicted wearing dude is like i need a chick with tats and piercings like mm-hmm. when i watch that movie that's what i see is i see that like obsession with women with like bot you know body moderations i just see that projected onto the screen in the form of julie and i again i do like the idea that like pain can drive away these cravings and i like the fact that there is this struggle with the character of like i have to do these things i have to hurt myself because i don't want to hurt someone i still love that's fascinating that that's 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 actually a really interesting aspect of the character but i think in execution it comes off as lay but on the flip side of that i do like i think the one good moment of acting from the main character was when she comes out and she's all like has the shit like in her like and and he just looks at her and goes he has this I, i think he says like jesus christ of like what it, what it, what does she become? She's now not Julie anymore. She's now like an actual fucking monster. I think that's a really weird, like, I don't know, like actual, not like scary, like boo, jump out scary, but like scary moment when he realizes like, what the fuck have I done? Like, this isn't even Julie anymore. This is like, I guess for me, I felt like, I thought there was a possibility there of something else. Yeah. That in modifying herself, that maybe she could have beat the curve. I wanted there to be a, a third way, so to speak. That like in her in her sort of slowly transitioning and finding other ways to deal, that maybe she doesn't go full no brain eating, but like that she's something more than the other shitty zombies. Because I, I, I do like there is the moment in the movie when they're when she realizes what what she what she is. When they're still in the lab and she sees the red shirt getting eaten by the zombie, which also I don't know if you guys noticed. There's a scene where when, when that when that security guard is like running down the hallway, and he's like, "You think this is gonna be the badass to stop it?" He's actually wearing a red T-shirt under his fucking military jacket, <laughs> which is like I don't know if that was d- deliberate or not. But when she's seeing this thing like picking bits of like brain and blood off the ground and like licking its hands, and she's just like, she says like, "Is that what I'm gonna become?" And it's this moment of like, man, that really sucks to be able to contemplate that. Right. And to know, because if you're a zombie, whatever, you don't give a fuck. You're just going to like eat brains and blah, 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 blah. But like to, to, to be a person feeling these feelings and seeing that and being like, is that what I'm going to turn into? Right. Like that sucks. I, so for me, I feel like there's a core of something there. And while I agree that the execution, when she comes out, it's a little fetishized, whatever. Yeah. But then I kind of also thought, well... That also works for me because that's kind of what they're, I mean, all I, what is his connection to her? They fuck and she, and he's horny and he's a kid. Like, I, I don't think there's more there anyway. Hey man, when you're so a kid, the, that's I, all that matters. So the idea that she comes out and her, the exploration of that pain is also like this weird sexual, whatever thing yeah. going on too. And that he is very horrified by it. I thought there was a potential there to push those themes more, but then it just sort of becomes a regular zombie and then she just is, it it misses that opportunity in the same way that I feel like, um, I actually, my least favorite part is when he gets bit and then they go to get incinerated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm like, if that's the solution, that was a solution when she hit the fucking tree. Like if, uh, I, what would make more what what would make me not hate his character as if he gets bit and he goes I guess I'm gonna be a zombie too like let's go be zombies together and just eat people's brains and shit that sounds sick like, yeah let's do that together but the idea that he's like 
oh, now I'm going to be a zombie? Well, we have to destroy ourselves. He made that decision for her. Yeah, like, you could have destroyed yourself when she hit the fucking tree, motherfucker. Like, if that's really what you're at, like, I can't be alive without her. Mm-hmm. Then don't be alive then. That's you're, why I... You are choosing death now because it's not on your terms. That moment, I thought... I mean, maybe that's good. Maybe the whole point of the movie is that his character is a monster and actually worse than she. Like, he, to me, in his fucking self-serving weakness, which is really what he's, in the whole movie, he just doesn't care what she feels. Yeah. He doesn't care what she's going through. He's a worse monster than her the whole fucking movie, in my mind, even when she's eating Riverman's brains. It was the we belong dead moment. Yeah. They just wanted to do the Frankenstein moment. But yeah, it is. It's it's selfish. He he made that decision for her, and that was really... as he's made every decision. He made the yeah. decision to bring her back. Yeah, he makes a decision to keep going. He makes a decision that her biting people is like NBD. I mean, the only decision she makes the whole movie is when she turns into Sharpie Girl with all the sharp bits. And is it even a decision? You know, what like no. But at least she didn't have to check with him and get him to help out. Yeah. It's a shame because when I was a kid looking at this cover, like I mentioned earlier, right? Wow, I thought she's rad. <laughs> it's, exactly. a really, it's a haunting cover. It's 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 got the moon in the background and the. I think there's a tree in there somewhere for she's some reason. Terrifying and beautiful and and her fashion, like wow, like I was so into it. I was so into what I was seeing, and I saw the movie years later, um, and. It's kind of disappointing to see that, like, her tits are out for no reason. No reason. I mean, it's still the cool moment when when she comes out and uh, she's clearly, again, suffering. Like, she's clearly in there. She's not gone. She's in there. And the boyfriend has basically given up on her and decided that he misses the way things were. And she's like, but I'm still here. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. But on the other hand, she's just... I don't know, horror dude fantasy. Like, they want a zombie they can think about fucking. And uh, why did that uh, unfortunate uh, stereotype want to fuck her (laughs) in that scene when she comes out? That's the problem I have, right? Is like, she comes out, she's made herself, not only has she explored pain, but she's made herself dangerous. As dangerous as she can. She has fucking weapons. And so you'd think the way to play that out is now people might be attracted to her because because she's beautiful but afraid of her because she's dangerous. I mean, she was dangerous before, but they didn't know that. Instead, now the guy's ready and let's be clear, he's going to rape her. Like, he's assuming that she probably doesn't want to fuck him, but this is the price to pay is that he's going to go fuck her. Now, you could, if you want to be really base, be like, oh, but then she gets him. I'm like, yeah, but uh, it's not satisfying at all. There's no. It's more like you've made, as you pointed out, Jen, this beautiful, dangerous figure, and then it's immediately demeaning to me mm-hmm. to have this character just be like, "Oh, this is my kind of chica." Like, oh, kinky. Yeah, let's it's go. So, fuck. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, this is the opposite of what I want right now. What I want right now is for them to be fascinated, but also horrified, and then she just kills everyone. I mean, you've even given us the payoff that she has a rock tied to her hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly for smashing someone's head open. Yes. We get one very brief shot of her smashing someone in the head and it's not even that effective. It's there's no it's it's like her whole body is Chekhov's gun, but it still never goes off really. She has a, a fucking metal rod coming out of her palm. Yeah. yeah. You could stab someone with that. Mm-hmm. What I want to see is her just go on the fucking rampage. Yeah. And and instead she 
The only time after that, I mean, she does some killing. She does. It's not like she's nothing, but like she really beats out when she kills Riverman, which is the thing I don't want her to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I just think that that I was really I for whatever reason I was into it. She comes out. She's all dangerous. I Again, was too. I think it's a little demeaning the way they decided to do it, but just the idea that, oh, she's dangerous now and she's found this other way and then it goes nowhere and there's no payoff and it, it's it's really frustrating and I wonder if it's like partly because Yuzna doesn't know what the fuck to do with what he has with this story. It's almost like that is exactly <laughs> what yeah. was going on here. Yeah. But I agree. I, that original poster of her, that image, which is, I think it's on the Blu-ray too. It is. It's so intimidating. It's so scary and so awesome. And then to actually see the movie and have it like, that's not really what it is. I mean, again, it's a little bit of that because that actress is better than most of the other actors. Yes. Her performance is better than most of the other performances mm-hmm. in the movie. So a little bit you get that because you're like, oh, look, she knows what she's doing. Uh, floppy hair do rag over here, d- d- dipshit. <laughs> he he can he couldn't act his way out of a fucking paper bag. Yeah. yeah. So like the, in that sense, but like the way the character's written, it's not as good as it, could, it as it could be. As the potential is there for it, and that is why the movie's frustrating. Even if I still kind of had fun with it, like I still I kind of enjoyed it. But yeah. I want I think there was a potential for more, and that bummed me. In. Yeah, I think it's a it's a classic tale of like we only care about Julie. Or the story only treats Julie's pain as valid and how it affects the fucking boyfriend whose name I don't, I'm not even bothering to remember. Yeah, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it, it really is like she's never seen as like a as a, um, an autonomous creation. Literally, she is a fucking zombie through most of the movie. And even though she clearly has these atta- emotional attachments and she has the capacity for pain, she's only treated as such in how that pain affects this fucking guy. Like when we see when, um, after she kills Riverman and when the, 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 the dad shows up with the fucking paintball gun that can freeze zombies for whatever reason, she gets shot. And what do we see? We see his reaction. We see Mm -hmm. how it's affecting him. I don't care how it's affecting him. I want to know, is she in pain right now? Is she like, Mm -hmm. what's, you know, like, I don't give a fuck about this guy who has made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision throughout this whole movie. And it's his fault. All this shit is happening. And it's her that it's affecting because like, if he hadn't gotten bit, he would have gotten away with that. It, he, his life, I mean, he would have been scarred for life, but like they were going to get transferred out of there anyway. So it would have been like his dad probably would have gotten trouble, but like he would have been fine. And I, I, I just, I, just, well, but it it actually avoids the one moment where he could actually take responsibility is actually the that ending in the sense that let's say he doesn't get bit okay. and he escapes with this woman who now needs brains to not be a monster like he whatever a future where he has to be her enabler who now has to go help her kill people so she can have brains. That would actually be, even though it's still focused on him, that would at least show him having to take responsibility for something. Exactly. Because he's like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, this is my decision. I love you too much to let you be alone this way. So now I'm finally going to do my first adult fucking decision this whole movie, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be your human companion who helps you murder people so you can eat their brains. Maybe we'll solve crimes. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying I love my zombie. But the point being is that he doesn't do that. He gets bit. Which, like, whatever. Of course he was going to get bit. And then he could also make a decision then of, okay, let's be zombies together. I'm, I'm down for some brain hunger. Let's, let's live that way. And now, he, you know, we must, 
we must be insane. And he doesn't even really talk to her about it. He just takes her to the fire and he's like, You're, yeah, this is fine. And at that point, what is she supposed to do? Say no? Like yeah. she just goes along with it because she just wants to be dead. This has all been a lot for her. She's it's not asking fair. if they can go somewhere. Yeah. She's like, oh, can we can we get out of here? And, and yeah, that's that's what I'm uh, saying about that's what I'm that's what I mean about this guy is how he has even like he has like say what you will about. I know there's a there's a lot of uh, I've been seeing a meme floating around because we just got the trailer for the remake of Pet Cemetery, and how people criticize the character of. Lewis Creed. We've all seen Pet Cemetery, or at least read the book. And now people are like, guy buries cat. Cat comes back fucked up. So what's he do? He buries his fucking son and hopes for the best. It's like, yeah, but you're not seeing this as a as a grieving parent. You're not mm-hmm. seeing this as a person. You don't, you know, like, this character, the boyfriend in this movie, and I love how we keep just avoiding, he's such a fucking generic character. Mm-hmm. He's so unsympathetic that he lacks even that. Like, at least Lewis Creed has the, like, well, yeah, he knows what's going to happen, but there's still this dim hope that, like, maybe I can have my fucking son back. This guy is like, oh, my girlfriend who is uh, my age and can consent and isn't, like, a three-year-old child who I've known, who I have, like, they even say, like, a two-month attachment to. Um yeah, I know this is going to bring her back as a horrific fucking zombie because I've seen what happens to these things. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Like, I, I just, I have, he's such an unlikable character for a main character. And like, mm-hmm. I, I keep coming back to that, but it's like, that. that's what I think this, you know, silly zombies aside, like this movie, or silly zombie aside, because I want to get to this shortly and and how, what I, I do like how Yosna, what he did with the zombies. I just think this movie puts too much weight on a very, very weak, unlikable character. And that's what I think its biggest flaw is. And yet it portrays everyone who is not a white man as unstable, creepy, or just weird, uh, evil. Uh, and disposable because the guy who and gets dispo- eaten. Because the, the, the red shirt who gets killed in the hallway is the only character of color in the entire... Well, aside from the... Riverman. Well, he's, yeah. he's the only soldier. It's exactly, all white yeah. soldiers. Then we finally see a black mm-hmm. soldier. He okay. gets killed immediately, horribly too. Yeah. Um, it's because white man is default. Yeah. If you need someone weird or creepy, uh, then it's something else. But the default, like just a good guy, is a yeah, white good, man. A good military man. Yeah. The dad and the son. Well, and the here's the thing. What bums me out about it is. I would actually be willing to give him a little bit of grace and say, maybe this is what the movie is about, is this shitty kid. But it fails even at that. You know what I mean? Because it, it there are so many opportunities to really give it to this fucking kid and just be like, oh, actually what this movie about is what a fucking piece of shit this kid is. Everything that happens in this movie is this kid's dumbass fault. Yeah. And he basically sacrifices lots of lives because he thinks this girl's hot. What we mm-hmm. get, you know? Yeah. Movie could have done that. That would have been cool. And I and I actually don't think Yuzna is not smart enough to do that. I think he could have done that. But if that's what he intended, he doesn't fucking get there. No, they still try to make it this tragic love story. It's so annoying. It it they they still I went from liking this movie to liking it a little bit less of this conversation. Uh. No, well, I'm gonna bring it back for you in a few seconds. Okay. No, that, that's that's another that's that's another. You, you're, you're coming off two movies that understand what they're doing. Like Return to Living Dead understands what it's doing. It doesn't yeah. try to overreach. It gets it gets what it, it it sets out to make a certain kind of movie, and it knows its limits. It knows its reach, and it it succeeds beyond. It's an amazing movie. Like Return the first Return to Living Dead is incredible. The second one is fun. 
And we'll just leave it at that. It also knows its limits. It's a fun movie. This movie doesn't know its limits. This movie tries too hard to be something that it cannot be. And it, it in falling short and still not admitting its faults, it becomes like obscene almost. You know, they still try to make this like tragic love story. And it's like, no, this isn't a tragic love story. This is like almost an abusive relationship. I mean, it basically is. It is. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> I mean, I hope one day to meet the actress who played Julie just so I can take her by the hand and say, fuck that guy. I don't know his fucking name, but you're Julie. Yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, one plus about this movie. The look of the zombies is so awesome that they, I, I really like that they went from like in all the Romero movies, like the zombies are just like people, you know, because they're, they're us. We're them and they're us. And then, like, Return of the Living Dead, you get, like, Tar Man. You're like, ah, that's sort of a person. You got the la- the half lady. You're like, eh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Return of the Living Dead 2, ah, there's Tar Man again. And this one, what the fuck are those things that are running around in the end? Like, what is that thing that, like, is, what, that the, 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 the hooting, cackling, gobbling thing that comes out? Like, that's, like, barely a person. Like, I like how Yuzna was just like, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to take this pre-established franchise and I'm going to put my Brian Yuzna stamp on this. By making this like actual like body horror. We're going to take the zombies. They're going to be these malformed things for whatever reason. Like the most normal looking zombie is Julie. Right. Followed by the zombie from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And even he, I'm like, he's a, he's a skeptic. He's a specter. He's from the <laughs> netherworld. That's not a person. What are you kidding? That's like, that's, that's a, a ghoul. Um, but even watching that, that, that's one thing. I, me- I remember being afraid of the zombies when I was a little kid. And even watching this now, like, um, when they come out, there's like the showdown at the end. Um, like the look of them, they all they they just look like monstrously deformed and not even really like zombies. Just like they just look like sad imitations of men. Well, I think the idea is that they've been in those containers. Sure. So it logically makes sense that they're fucked up, but he gets to make them all kinds of weird and fucked up. And that was actually one of the oh that parts scene of the movie. that scene. I think it's when the the. There's like some scientist is like laying on the ground and the barrel tips over and the fucking lid pops off and that hand with yes. the long that is nightmarish that and it just pulls him in to do to, to eat him like that's what I mean is like there that there's no scene like that in any other Return of the Living Dead or like uh, Romero films and I think that's that is that has Yuzna's stamp all over it that is purely a Brian Yuzna moment and I th- I think that really works in a movie that largely doesn't i mean i think that that's very true and in fact in the original return of living dead you've got the woman on the table you've got tar man yeah a lot of the other zombies are actually bad they're not even often zombies they're just like extras with a minimal amount of makeup jumping somewhat i mean it literally looks like they were like we'll just play flag football yeah. Well, everyone's in makeup and we'll pretend that that's a zombie attack. You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. just doesn't really, which is fine. The movie's still great. doesn't matter. But I think it's also instructive of the fact that, like, sometimes in the 80s, people thought that their cool, gooey ideas could carry a fucking film. And with this movie, those, al- those aliens, those zombies could be even better than they are. They could be the best fucking weird fucking mutant zombies I've ever seen. Yeah. Doesn't get around the fact that this parts of this movie are really bad. Yeah. And it doesn't help. Meanwhile, Return of the Living Dead has literal guys just in a ripped shirt. They're like, yeah, you'll do. <laughs> go, go tackle that cop. You're just muddy. Yeah, just run over there and like. <laughs> just jump on that cop. That's fine. <laughs> and like, it doesn't matter. The movie's still great. Yeah. So great. 
So any anything else to say about uh, Return of the Living Dead 3? Mm, I think we covered it. Yeah. I Like I said, I, I respect for that, for the uh, actress who played Julie, whose name I keep forgetting. Melinda uh, Clark. Melinda yes. Melinda Clark. Respect, because I just think she's not given... The little bit of stuff she's given to do, I think she does pretty well. Yeah. And it, it kind of kept me in the movie longer than I would otherwise. But thinking about it from a larger perspective... It's just frustrating the missed opportunity of her character, which could have been so cool. I agree 100%. Same. All right, so that was Return Living Dead 3. Um, Jen, thank you so much for, have, for, for, for for being on here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lots of fun. I really appreciate that. I think Liam does too. Liam, do you? Come on. I do. Good. Yes. I was just going to make I was going to make snacks. I was going to make fun of you because you were about to say you were about to thank her for her for having us on. But then what you could have said is thank you for having us over. We got snacks. Are you going to take a How are you going to take a picture? You don't have any other Oh. Are you had the timer on? No, I I pressed the volume oh, button. I don't know how iPhones work. I have a Google. Anyways, hey y'all. Uh thank you for listening. Thanks to Chen for coming on. Uh I want to remind y'all uh Justin does a really good job with our social media. I do an okay job. And you should be following us on Twitter and on Instagram. We're At on the Harbiz666. The Harbiz666. Uh, I've been told we should hype that more. And uh, that's me doing it. Excellent. Also, check out our Patreon. Uh, and then, is there anything that you want to hype, Jen, right now? Um, Not not right now, I guess. I am an artist. I'm an illustrator. And I'm a... Hoping to get a new website up soon yeah. um, to show it off, but it's not up yet. This would be a perfect time to tell you to go look at it. <laughs> I will say this. If you are on Twitter, you should um, just start a campaign to get Jen to write for Cinepunks. I agree. <laughs> she used to write about movies a lot, and she hasn't really done it lately. And I just think Cinepunks was a good way to stretch your legs out before All she right. gets doing right. it again yeah that's what i think but i'm really glad that you came on and i think that uh you're very patient with us because we are very chatty gentlemen no, we are we've been, been known to to chat <laughs> and also for all the snacks there's so many snacks. there's a lot of snacks i you guys can't see but there's five bags of snacks and numerous i like that you said you can't see not because it's a podcast but kind of like they just couldn't see it yeah <laughs> Like, of course they can't see. It's an audio form. Yeah, it's format. an audio medium. I mean, I don't have pants on. Yeah. I'm not actually a human being. Oh. Yeah, we always bring out a Ouija board and yeah. say a, a prayer to say. And then, yeah. yeah. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening. Um, again, thank you, Jen, for being on the show. Um, if you like what you heard, you can go to www.cinepunks.com for more episodes of this show and episodes of other podcasts including our newest edition wine and cheese which is great uh our flagship podcast cinepunks uh mandate got me a movie uh black sun dispatches um i'm sorry if i'm missing anything else no, that's fine that's good uh there's also a lot of great articles on there if you were fa- if you were intrigued by any of our uh, brooklyn horror film festival coverage um like we mentioned i have a review i put up a starfish on there uh who wrote the review for welcome to mercy nick spot nick spot Shout out to Nick Spotcheck. Put something on there. Um, there's also information on there. If you want to donate to our Patreon, you can go there and check it out. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. So if you have Spotify, you can check us out there. If you go on iTunes, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. If you leave us a five-star review, we will read it on here. I guarantee we'll give you a shout out. So please do that. And remember always to download, download, download. That's how we get our numbers up. That's how we move up the fucking list. 
I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I'm not our, a technology our person. Our numbers are not good enough yet for us to even know how it works. Yeah. So the only way we can do that is if you rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download to so do that. Um, also, I guess, again, go to www.xlvacx.com, harass Chris Rejects, send him requests for weird things if you need weird things printed. Um, and as always, it is it is Halloween, okay? So stay spooky and paint your face and, and fucking stay up late and watch scary movies and listen to Bauhaus and listen to Sam Hain, but not the Misfits and worship Satan. So until next time... <laughs> Drink cider and do magic. Drinks with a K at the end, <laughs> not a, a C, M A G I C K. How about magics? Magics, yes, yes. <laughs> Drink cider, perform magics. Play magic. Play, play magic, yes. Play magic, play magic, magic yeah. And uh, yeah, stay spooky and fuck Victor Salva. Thanks for listening. Bye. Peace. I eat while recording all the time. Oh my God, no. I do. No. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Everyone could literally lick out my booty hole. <laughs> lick it out. Lick, lick it out. What, what? Lick it out. Lick out my booty hole. Lick it out. Lick, lick it out. What, what? Lick it out. Is this recording? Lick out my booty hole. It's beautiful. <laughs> Don't talk. Just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.